Welcome back to another episode of the All Music Is Good podcast. The podcast that takes a deep dive into four recent releases, we get right in there to try and work out what's great and sometimes not so great about each one. This week we'll be looking at albums from Pino Palladino and Blake Mills, London Grammar, uh, Genesis, Ruwusu and Lana Del Rey. But tonight we're breaking all the rules and recording this episode from the deep dark corner of suburban Oakley in the outer southeast of Melbourne. It's the home of episode two's unofficial sponsor, Calamera Sivlaki Art, and all other things Hellenic. We've walked the Huntingdale to Oakley Rail Trail, we've strolled the golf course walk, and as I speak, I'm glancing around and taking in what can only be described as a palatial space compared to the normal broom-sized closet of RX Studio we record from. And it's just dawned on me that we've upped the ante this week, Eric, because you know why? You know what the reason could be? It's a, it's a celebration tonight, Eric. We're being handed the keys to the podcasting adulthood. We are officially off our learner's permit because this, my friend, is episode 21. We are of age. <laughs> and while, while, look, look, while I may be ready to, um, to take this significant step into the real world of grown-up adulthood podcasting, the same cannot be said of my young Padawan apprentice who's come out to the dark reaches of suburbia tonight. To get a lesson in all things spark chemicals, APC, Akai programming, and to see what life looks like outside of the Brunswick bubble he inhabits. So it's with those warm sentiments that I raise a glass and toast my friend and fellow co-host of the past 21 episodes, Eric Bloom. Eric, welcome. Thank you, Waza. It's a, it's a glowing intro. Um, I mean, I should note that I am kind of a rusted on Southside. I mean, you've been really painting me with this brush for it's 21 more, episodes. Northside brush. I mean, we're talking, you know, I'm like a, you know, I'm a pandemic Northsider. I'm uh but, but, but the roots That's are... That's the worst kind. It is the worst kind. I mean, the roots are well and truly like planted on North Road. And, um, and it is, you know, I mean, we're going to talk a little bit more about North Road as we get down to business, but look, it's been a good couple of weeks. Um... It seems like I'm, I'm always talking about moving or like putting shit in places, but I, I started another studio renovation, mm-hmm. um, which we prob- probably will also look at uh, today. Uh, and uh, what else? I had I played my first two shows since the end of the pandemic. Oh, congratulations. Which was, yeah. That's nice. That was pretty exciting. Was it good? It was great. Um, no, it was, uh, no APC breakdowns? No APC of? breakdowns. Right. Um, it was. Uh, How did my license of Ableton go? Did it hold up? Did it? It did. Thank you very much for not doing a show on the same night. <laughs> the panicked phone call in yeah. the afternoon. Hey, man, I think we're going to show on at the same time. <laughs> That's true. Um, but look, you know, it was really cool. Um, it, uh, you know, it was just good to see everyone out and, uh, you know, touch base with a whole bunch of musicians that have done it really tough in the last year. And I don't know about you, was you might have a shared experience, but there seems to be like this real kind of. I don't know, homecoming feel at the moment at shows where people are just so happy to see one another and, and you know, just play. Yeah. I did a show on Friday night and, like, I was watching 
back old rusted on backstage crew hugging each other because they just they hadn't seen each other for so long it was really sweet like a bit sad but also sweet i think that's the sentiment yeah um was i saying like i was at the footy the kids footy the other day was i talking about this in the last episode i don't know no you didn't Go but ahead. um you know i actually had a bit of an emotional moment after the uh the first match back in 18 months the other day and just watching all the parents line up um to and all the kids line up to get um a hot dog after the game and i just sort of sat there and i looked <laughs> like oh how beautiful is this it's just yeah we look we reference it every week i think Eric. like you know this post covid sort of world would come out into but it really is a beautiful thing and it's just yeah you, you find yourself having these little moments of reflection and you know just things hit you and and that was one of them for me but yeah first two shows back that's certainly exciting it was um it was just great crowd was great um played all right first time in ableton which was um well second time um after depping for you once but um (laughs) really really fun never again bit weird like i'm not really used to like standing on a stage without something in my hands so me and you actually talked about this during the week the kind of concept of uh you know finding something to do maybe check some emails or you know, play some darts while you, you know, trigger Ableton. Oh, yeah. Look, it can be a lonely job pushing buttons on the uh, on the controller. Uh, but yeah, that's what we did talk about, like how you um, fiddle with your headphones or mm. you might want to move to like one headphone off the ear and then one headphone back on. Archery. Or you want to try a little bit of a cross box step every now and again mm. or moving the sunglasses, getting a towel. Like there's all sorts of things. All sorts of trickery that you can use to make it look like you're doing something. And, and you know, I mean, the, the amazing thing about this relationship that I have with, you know, that my older brother, Warren Hunter, is he always comes with wisdom. And, um, and, I, and you know, it might seem flippant, but I tend to always take it very seriously. So thank you for that, wasn't I? <laughs> look, I was, yeah, I, I am being serious. This is a funny thing, being a DJ. I've never, never been that comfortable with it. I had a funny time... Uh, backstage the other night as well when um we got to meet the great leo sayer before he went on for his show and uh graham pogson and i were just sort of sitting backstage having a drink and he just sidled straight up to us said oh you chaps play with katie aldis do you (laughs) yes we do katie aldis we do play with katie she's a great singer yeah she's a lovely chat she's a lovely girl oh that was funny just just good to be back just doing backstage things and having backstage chats and all that sort of fun and shenanigans that just you know they don't mean anything but they're so much fun i missed them anyway um should we get into tonight into tonight's guest eric i think you should do the honors all right okay well gee i haven't i haven't written a biography so i'm gonna uh, i'm gonna go off the cuff oh you always do yeah <laughs> that's that's very true so um look as was an intro to tonight's episode um you know we are as mentioned in the the leafy outer southeast, would you call would you call Oakley leafy or concretey? Uh, well, the the Hellenic vibe would tend more towards a concrete sort of veneer, I would say. But but when one thinks of leafy, one thinks of this man. <laughs> he <laughs> is this the North Road link? We're gonna yeah, we, we are going. We are we are getting on North Road, and we we are going from sixty k's to seventy k's, and now suddenly we're up to eighty k's an hour because <laughs> we are getting leafy. It is with great, um, great excitement and uh, and lots of love that we welcome to the All Music Is Good podcast, the extraordinary Danny Faruja. Welcome. Woo-hoo. Thanks welcome. for having me, guys. I will say, 
further down North Road, when it becomes Wellington Road, mm. past my house, you get up to 100k per hour. There you go. At what stage does that happen? Like right out in Listerfield or like is it some Yeah, sort when of you're heading towards Listerfield Lake. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. 100k. Well, we're the home of the uh, Commonwealth Games, mountain bike cycling. There you Listerfield go. Listerfield Lake. Well, that right. was, that, uh, was that on the um, on the brochure when you were kind of looking at places? <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't. But it's 3k from my house. Yep. And during, you know, I don't know you guys mentioned this before, you tend to go back to pandemic lockdown talk, but that 5K radius, I could do a 3K run to Listerfield National Park and be within my 5K That's amazing. limit from the house. Awesome. There's also a sneaky little um, dam or man-made lake out yeah, your way. It's, it's it? a beautiful lake. It's not... It's not Sneaky. It's a Listerfield Lake. It's big. Yeah, Listerfield. Yeah, I don't. Great lake. I don't think that's man-made. No, it's not a dam. I, I think it well, may have been. There might have been some sculpting going on there. It doesn't look completely it's natural. Pretty to me. big. It, it is, is big. big, but it is like, big. yeah, maybe it was an old sort of. I don't know. Was it a mine or something? Maybe like it doesn't look natural. There is one weird tower sort of sticking up. Yeah. In one point of the lake. Yes. So yeah, maybe that's uh, that. That doesn't look natural. So as well as kind of deep diving into some of the sights <laughs> anyway, and sounds of anyway, the outer southeast, that's for those of Listerfield. for those unfamiliar with Danny, look, I'll, I'll reel off the things that I'm familiar with in your work, and please, you know, fill in the gaps. But um, I guess uh, you know one of the original members of the Bamboos way back when in those early records, the third member, the third that's member, right. the was, third uh, member. There was yeah. a Scott Lambie, drummer, Scott Lambie, and then Jamie the Jones. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So the, thir- the third. Drummer, the, the of first the, proper yeah. member, though I, th- I would say, the first regular drummer. I mean, Scott. I mean, was Scott was in it for a little bit, yeah. but like, not when they were more when they were just kicking shit up, you know, little 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 club gigs. They did a few sevens, but yeah, because he played on Eeyore, didn't he, Scott? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and Stewie Speed also, I think. Yes, maybe on that one correct. Day. Yeah, but so, back in those days, like Danny had like this beautiful. I just remember the ponytail. It was just, oh, yeah. it was so beautiful. It was. And he had a suit and that a was just suit. too big for Way him. too big. There's ponytails and a flurry of suits and jackets. We all had baggy suits back then. <laughs> That's true. We all did have baggy time. suits back then. <laughs> it was a different time. So, um, so you know, early early days of the bamboos, um, I guess uh, a dep in the Cat Empire at times. Yep. Uh, Angus Julius Stone, Missy Higgins. Um and of course, an artist in your own right, as, as someone that's released the album number two. Just that's last correct. week. Yeah. Just last week. Well, actually, before we get into that, I was, when we when I was when we were talking to Danny prior to him coming on this show, he uh, he did mention his record was coming out, and we're thrilled that he managed to include us in his um, press junket because <laughs> things are things will be really busy for you, I'd imagine. You know, with all of the interviews and whatnot. This is a. <laughs> You know, thank you for this. Now I can tick press junket off the list. <laughs> tick Oakley press junket Monday night. Done. So, so tell us a little bit about the record. Um, is so is, it's your, your songwriting? There's collaborators. There's instruments, or is it just one instrument? T- talk us through. Talk us through the record. It, it all stemmed from drums and percussion in my studio. That's that's it. And and looking for textures to make compositions from the drum kit. So what kind of so when you say percussion because it sounds like there's some melodic components there was there any sort of like interesting instruments that kind of were able to kind of bring that melody out? Yeah, well, I mean the track we've got, yeah, you know, just like 
it's very poppy. slick, like just yeah. in the background there. Um, <laughs> you like that? Nice. Dude? So I love that. That's very professional. <laughs> Thank you. Thank um, you. you know, I, yeah, that was definitely a journey for me, instrumentation-wise. It's like most things started out with just drums, and I had Tim Rogers to 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 sing this Robert Palmer. A uh, classic hit, oh, looking for clues. I knew what I knew a tune! It. What a tune! Ah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. certainly it's very different to the rest of the songs on the album too, isn't it? Extremely different. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, just dumped, <laughs> just dumped in there. Um, so talk, yeah. talk us through looking for clues. So it sounds like there's some kind of. It almost sounds like a barumba or something. What are you playing? Well, there? It, it started. I'll I'll tell you how it began. It began with just drums and then Tim singing. And I sent it to Stephen Tram to get mixed and along with all the other tracks. And Stephen called me several weeks later with a bit of excitement of like, hey, I think this track is really good and I think you should do more with it. It's actually could be even better. So it was, you know, I, I felt like I'd sort of handed in my school assignment and I didn't want to think about it anymore however he was quite positive in saying let's let's go deeper why don't you try to emulate parts from the original and do it with quirky percussion try pvc pipes try different things so he let me led me down another path and this was during lockdown so Mm. i was sourcing pvc pipe from family members that had offcuts and putting notices out on the community facebook page Unbelievable. <laughs> pvc pipe and yeah constructed these PVC things PVC pipe for song with tim rogers please send <laughs> <laughs> something like that, Is that how it went? <laughs> wanted wanted yes um yeah so th- there was that and then there was a, a guy actually in ferntree gully which is also within my 5k radius surely not surely yes really? who was selling roto timpani oh so they're like big Imagine big floor toms that you can spin to change the pitch to get timpani notes. So I went and picked them up as Only well. Only in Ferntree Gully. Only in Ferntree Gully. He's got a he has a few weird things, and I was like, sure he does. Kind of like trying to poke my head around and see what other percussive instruments were there. But yeah, he had some xylophone bass notes, but I think they were about a hundred bucks a note. I was oh a bit, wow, a bit okay. too steep. But I did purchase the timpani, and then there is xylophone. And vibraphone, which I have at home in the studio. So, did you um like how did you pitch those notes? Was that just like cutting and listening? Yeah, that was. Um, I downloaded a an app with a tuner. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and of course, and you know, look, yeah, use the technology that's there. But um, it was tricky because the overtones of things, the tuner would would sort of sway around yeah. a fair bit. So I had. A, a, a smaller diameter length of pipe these pipes are about i had four of them and they stand maybe 1.5 meters high with a 90 degree elbow bend and then on the floor i would have a smaller diameter pipe that i could move in and out to change the length of the pipe to change the pitch of the note oh my god wow. and so i went through and i went through a bit of gaffer tape as well because i tried to make it airtight um so yeah, that's so that's covid times for you Eric. nowadays <laughs> you, nowadays you would just would have sampled it in and just played it on I the keyboard, keyboard. I know. but yep. here's a question so like <laughs> like crazy. looking at the kind of way time was managed during a lockdown so could talk us through like from from that conversation with Stephen through to you've recorded it how many days are we looking at like of time to 
get the pipes, tune the pipes, practice, learn that your new instrument that you made. Yeah. Oh, I talking? think that was a couple of weeks. Wow. But it's. I think that was more just the sourcing yeah. of the pipes. And <laughs> and even the elbow bends, I had to, you know, that's like Bunnings Online, click and collect. Oh, yeah, that and that, that was an ordeal in itself. That takes a few days. However, one day at Bunnings, I was in the, in the car park for click and collect. I was buying an axe. That was a, a splitter axe. Oh, because yeah. we have splitter. the fire yeah, the as we were discussing before, and I'm still excited by splitting wood and the, the romanticism. Know, what sort of it. wood are you splitting? That was a red gum. We oh, had like a God delivery. Of red gum. Yeah, so red easy gum to split. Good. As long as it's dry. <laughs> <laughs> um, in the car park, I saw none other than Ivan Kachoin. <laughs> buying PVC pipes. He was buying. He was. Oh, what was he getting? I think maybe like well, a, a laser, a laser guys, meter, or something like a yeah, something you, to measure something. You social media this, didn't you? You were photoing each other. From I each think we did. There was an Instagram that. story drummers back unite. and forth. You know, drummers and, unite. And the Ferntree guy is a bit of a spot for drummers. Stephen Allingham's out there as well. That's right. Allingham's up mm. the road. There's another drummer who lives in my neck of the woods too, and he one day just kind of knocked on the door. And he's like, hey, I just noticed, like, I saw in your garage, you got some drums there. I'm a drummer too. That. And you start talking drums. Well, one night I um, I was driving home down Warrigal Road and I pulled into the 7-Eleven on Warrigal Road just to get a iced coffee Big M or Fredo Frog or something after a gig. And uh, then I was pulling out and I noticed um, Loretta Miller and Darcy McNulty um, pull in and I'm like, oh, that's weird. I didn't know they lived around here and I didn't know them, know them that well. And end up following them home, and they basically like a lived, creep. Like they live ten doors down <laughs> with like his iced coffee. Right? Yeah. So here's, here's a hot here's, here's a hot tip. Get, get this one. Oh, okay, it was the other way around. They followed me home. I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Sipping on your your uh, what is it? What are they called? The iced coffees from Sevs. It's just you know. Uh, oaks or just the yeah trade just the tradey breakfast. I just like a standard iced coffee. Love it. Get with a the jam sausage, donut. sausage roll as well. No jam donut. Yeah. But here's something interesting. I uh, not a crispy cream though. I bumped into Jules Pascoe the other day yeah. and I uh, said I'm moving to Preston, and he was like, Oh, you know who lives in Preston? Darcy and Loretta. Yeah, they moved like, there now. Yeah. Fuck out. They're gonna li- uh, uh, we're gonna share the same street. Oh yeah. Well, we lived on the same street. They basically live ten doors down the road. That's so weird. That is wild. I guess that's they've got to get in. Get him. Call them. Yeah. <laughs> So, so back to Danny. I'll live next to Danny soon. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so a bunch of collaborators on there. Um, yeah. So yeah, we had Tim, and Tim was very generous. He he agreed to do this song. I spoke to him about this years ago. I mentioned it to him because I thought this would be a great cover for the Bamboos mm-hmm. and oh, Tim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I and I mentioned it to Tim. Uh, this is and I wasn't playing with the Bamboos at the time, but we were just hanging out at a festival. And Tim said to me, he's like, man. You should just produce it and do this song. And I, you know, was that before the Danny Frugia project? Kicked that off? was way before. Oh wow, there you go. that's awesome. So yeah, it was it was nice to actually call him up. Um, yeah, Lance Ferguson passed on his number to me, and I called him up and said, "Hey, you know, would you be up for doing this?" And and I said, "You know, like you did mention to me years ago." Yeah, you remember? I you said you would do it. Yeah, you would do yeah. it. So I locked him in. <laughs> I'm calling it in. But so he and this was right before. Maybe it was right before the first serious lockdown. Yep. And he wouldn't, you know, we like, oh, maybe you shouldn't come out and do it in the studio and we shouldn't go to another studio. So he drove down to Listerfield. I I said I would I would go to him, but he didn't have any recording gear. So I lent him a, a UA Apollo 
and a microphone. Dangerous. But he insisted. He's like, man, I'll drive out to you. I'm up for the drive. So he came out and picked up the gear. Straight down North Road. Straight down, Straight down North, North Road. Road. Yeah. Past Oasis Bakery. <laughs> you know like, it. <laughs> you know Pick it. up some supplies. We all know it. Yeah. Oh, the pickled turnips. So then, and then, and then went home and recorded and then delivered the goods back to my oh, house. Oh, wow. Unreal. And then only, you know, weeks later after I speak to Stephen Tram, I called him up again and said, sorry, Tim. Would you redo it? Would you be up for doing it again? <laughs> and then we already gone into lockdown at that point. Yeah, yeah. And so, but he he was cool. He's like, man, I'll just come out for a drive again. You know, like yeah. unreal, no problem. And um and other collaborators on the on the record there oh, was uh, podcast Luke, favorite Luke, Luke Howard absolutely Luke, Luke Howard Anderson yeah no and all yeah. music is good podcast favorite Ryan Monroe Ryan, Ryan Monroe. Monroe yes oh Harry whistled was that the whistle was that's something? the whistle yeah that was good I like that you featured him. With his name, and then he whistled the whole song. He just whistles. It's great. That's, that's it. I mean, that's, that's an classic. instrument, right? I mean, that's serious stuff. I think it is. I, I agree. <laughs> I think it sounds really good. <laughs> it does sound good. It's just funny. <laughs> the credit, someone whistling. We sp- I guess you, you should credit people if they're playing an instrument. I mean, I get, I get credited for hitting things. I, I guess so. Yeah. Didn't really yeah. think about it. As Are a we- featured artist. I mean, you know, he's entitled to neighbouring rights now all around the world with that sort of credit. Featured artist. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's just drums and whistling. It's pretty feature-worthy, <laughs> I, right. I think, yeah. So, outside of the record, um, uh, so you, you're back on the road? Are you doing any uh, any uh, live shows coming up? Oh, yeah. Oh, you know, he's been <laughs> you stalking know. him all over Melbourne. <laughs> I, I, sound checks. But, but before we do this, though, oh, yeah, you were sound checking my sound checking, stalking my sound. But I will say, back to the collaborators, though, the collaborators on that album, the whole ethos behind getting collaborators is for them to do whatever they want mm. awesome mm. that's always the briefing just like hey if you hear this and you hear something and you want to do it please and how did you how did you feel about relinquishing so much control <laughs> no i mean it's a legit <laughs> no, question no, it's a legit i mean question yeah like uh, you, obviously you've what what i'm picking up is like just do what you want no guidance here it is here's what i've yeah. done do you, you like is, it, is there any anxiety that comes with just that open book for you? No, it's it's the best because then you get something back that is surprise and exciting and and things that I never would have heard necessarily. So, mm. yeah, it's I'm cool all for working. it. I'm all for it. And, you know, look, there's other tracks on, on an album that I get to be pretty pedantic and get into nitty-gritties of what I want my drum to sound like or what tambourine i'm gonna play but to have space where it's like cool i can just let someone else take care of this and and i look forward to hearing what they hear and imagine on this Mm -hmm. very exciting so before we get into what else you've got coming up to say what's the next step for you you started on something else solo wise no no that you know my plan was i my first album came out in 2018 which was Drums and Omnichord, and yes, amongst other things. Yeah, you and were about to just release oh. it when we did our masterclass together, where I was really inappropriate. Said really inappropriate <laughs> things. To, I was not on purpose. Not to on a, purpose to a girls' <laughs> music school. Oh, this is in Geelong. Oh God, it's so embarrassing. Danny just spent the whole car trip home just taking shit on me because I just said all this really wrong <laughs> stuff. Oh God, I just came out the wrong way. Like it didn't mean. To, anyway, sorry. Nothing else on the horizon. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing else on the horizon. The after that album, the plan was I thought to myself, I'll try to put out an album every two years. Okay, 
That's a good good target. So, yeah, you know, and look, this this one was two and a half years. I, I feel like, oh, you know, I could even stretch that out to three next time. But yep. it's just, it's nice to be involved in that process and I do it so much for other people. It's actually good to to take the reins and, and do it myself and learn every time. Yeah, yeah, you do, don't you? I learned a lot about cover songs. Like, <laughs> what Well, you, you really learn? sped up. I mean, looking for well, clues, you sped up, hey? A yeah, good, a good amount. yeah, and I think I think Stephen sped that up a little as well. On top of the yeah, on top of what I sent him, I think he he took it up a few beats. It's a great tempo. Yeah, he just wanted it. He wanted it. It goes <laughs> <laughs> going. Yeah, um, but yeah, you know, yeah. like covers, like to to uh, press the vinyl overseas, I had to pay a fee to get that. What cleared? Yeah, really. I had to pay MCOS, and and they calculate it. The amount of tracks you have on the album, they they divide that. Oh, so like, you should so, put a whole bunch of secret tracks at the end and credited them. Brought it up to twenty five tracks or something to get the thing. Yeah, down. I should have done. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> it's a double album. <laughs> Doing the math on it, I like it. I like it. So yeah, just going through that process, I'd never done that before, and I didn't know that. Yeah, so I had to pay. It was. It, I think you know it sort of worked out like sixty bucks, right? Oh, okay. To get a couple of hundred units pressed. Okay. But then in doing so, then I had to pay all the songwriters a fee to get it cleared. Oh, all so the songwriters including of the song. myself. Oh. So I pay all this money to Am- on paper. Amcos. Yeah, wow. on paper. And then it comes back to me through my publisher. As someone warned me, oh, I who just. Takes a cut. That's right. That's like everyone's oh taking their God, cut. This of industry, it. sometimes it's just crazy. Sorry. It's unbelievable. Yeah. So, <laughs> but so yeah, I'm learning and growing um, every time. Learning and growing. <laughs> so speaking of um, uh, learning and growing, um, you know, I, uh, I well, it, actually, that's a terrible segue because it's not about learning and growing at all. But I was, uh, I went down to Bakehouse Studios the other day to visit a friend of mine who's yes. just come down from Brisbane. So you say? It's true. Okay. Yep. Thank you, Warren. And uh, and lo and behold, a rehearsal was going on with some pretty familiar tunes. Poke my head through the glass, and there now, you are. Hang on a sec. You you couldn't have heard the tunes. No, well, the door was open. <laughs> so what did you hear? <laughs> no, I actually only heard you playing the drums. You heard the drums. <laughs> I didn't hear. The and tunes. you would hear a bit of acoustic vocal, maybe. Barely. I, I all I actually heard was you just sound checking. But, yeah, okay. But it sounded great. How'd you know it was me? Well, because um, someone had told me that there was a rehearsal going on, and um, you're supposed to say yeah. you're so familiar with your drum sound. I, that, that's you right. know, I mean, look, you know my drum sound. I, I do sound. know your drum sound, and I, look, I've listened to "Break" uh, from your first record so many times uh, that yep, that was Danny Faruja rehearsing with none other than Tina Arena. Tina Arena, that's unbelievable. Right. So, what day did you were you I at came Bakehouse? In on Thursday, because Monday when I got there, we rehearsed Monday to we- uh, Monday to Friday, and oh Monday God. morning when I got there, Quincy said, "Oh, big day today. We've got we've got you with Tina and the Cat Empire here, and Paul Kelly's in the other room." Wow, wow, that's what a, a big hang. day. What that's a, a big day. So who, got, who got the big room? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, there's only one. I mean, with it, with it, with well, it, with Tina, <laughs> Tina got the new room. They built a new room. 
Which where where at the front? Oh, I no, did see up, a picture. Upstairs. Oh, right. So yeah. which to the whereabouts upstairs? It's it's sort of across the the ramp from the Jezebel room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, right. Okay. Awesome. And there's windows in this room. Yeah. Looks that's, like it's that's, nice and bright. I did see a photo of you on social media, and then you were in front of the window at Paycast. I'm like, where is this? I don't know this room. There is a so window. There's a new room. Oh wow, <laughs> with, that's incredible. With light, which is great. I had my drums set up right next to the window, and and I could just keep an eye on the traffic on Punt Road. Punt Road. Oh, so it's that right up the front there. Okay, got you. Yeah, yeah interesting. So talk us through. Tina Arena, that's a that's, that's a pretty, I guess, you know, probably a lot of serious people in the room. How did that all go? I think it went pretty well. <laughs> it's it's uh, where our first show is on Sunday. Is um, it in an arena? <laughs> <laughs> is it? Well, <laughs> define arena. Well, hall could, slash arena, I hall, guess. Yeah. Hall, it, yeah, it'd be in a hall. It's in Brisbane at the Brisbane... Arena? <laughs> It is. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it's called. Okay. Um, but we do have a couple of days production rehearsal at the Palais. Awesome. Yeah. And we'll do the My Music Bowl in Melbourne later oh, on. Awesome. In the month. And what's that? I mean, you know, she's such an incredible singer. Iconic. Iconic. Rehearsals and rehearsal rooms are pretty shit usually for singers, I would say. You know, they've got to sing over a band playing pretty loud. How does she go in that environment? She sounds amazing. The whole thing is on in-ears. Yeah, right. Okay. So it's... Even the rehearsals. Even rehearsal. Like rehearsal is from the get-go. It's it's production rehearsal, yeah, yeah, really. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and a lot of the time is is designated to ironing out gear. Tech problems, yeah. Right, right, right. And tech problems for days. You know, I felt, I felt really kind of uh, special being sort of the acoustic drum guy in the room because everyone else, I think, if the, the guitarist had amp emulator. Oh, wow. There's a lot of that stuff going on. There, so unless you, you have... There's a lot more of that going on these days. Like just being side of stage to some big acts over the line. Well, pre-COVID, but just hearing that stage sound where there's no sound on stage whatsoever. Yes, it's exactly. So, it's so strange. I find the weirdest one is is seeing the drummer hit like the pad. For the main backbeat of the song, and you and don't hear anything. Nothing. Like, you start a stage, and there's nothing going on. You're wow, like, it's so weird. It's sort of like, yeah, obviously in the, everyone's heads, it's like it's all happening and it's a party. But yep. being like feeling that energy coming mm-hmm. out, like it's it's yeah. I d- I don't. I've never really been sure about that. I mean, the drummer and me kind of digs it. If I go and perv on another drummer, it's like cool. I don't have to hear the guitar amps like back of amp sound. I can just get great acoustic drum sounds and check it out. However, the musician in me is yeah. like, oh, I want to hear the band. Yeah, and it's more the dancing around bits as well. It's like what you're dancing around to something that's going it's on like in your sil- head. It's like a silent disco. It's a silent disco, disco on stage. It's, re- it's, it's really strange. Exactly. It is a silent disco. Anyway, sorry, I interrupted. No, no, no. Oh. no, no it's, it's unreal. It goes where it goes. Hmm. So that's that's pretty big. Um, is that Would that be the first bunch of proper big shows you've done since... The end of the pandemic? Definitely. This will be the first time on the on the aeroplane again. Unreal. Hey. Yeah. On yep. the flu tube. The flu tube. Is that That's what right. they call it? Is that what we're calling it? I guess so. I, yeah. heard, I heard Luke Hodgson refer to it as a flu tube. Yeah, right. Okay. He, will, he, may, he probably he knows. knows. I will he credit him then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. That's, that's like the first tour again. I was supposed to do Byron yeah, yeah, a few weeks yeah. ago. Yeah. That got cancelled, as we know. Unreal. Well, look, it's a pleasure to have you here, Danny. And um, yeah, we're going to get right into the music in just one moment. But before we do, before throw, we do, I might throw to you, Was, for um, the illustrious 
first entertainment segment. Well, Eric, thank you. Um, what this entertainment segment is called, I don't know why you didn't say it. It's called the Instagram Like of the Week. It's a segment that celebrates a new Instagram account we've come across. Amid scrolling the Instagram accounts of, well, I think I said this last week, 90s teen heartthrobs. But who else have we got? Jessica Watson. Um, yes. Uh, Vijay Singh. Vijay Singh is playing back on the European Seniors Tour. I've noticed that. He's quite prolific. He's been quite prolific in the last couple of weeks. He has. And obviously, Daniel Ricciardo's back working. Um, Megan Markle's on there. Megan Markle's been busy, as has Tom Selleck. Um, he's actually posted recently for the first time in six months. So that's good to see. Um, look, each week, I try and find a new account for the All Music Is Good Instagram page to follow. And I invite Arik and our celebrity guest, Dan- Danny Ferugia, to try and guess who this mystery account may be via a series of cryptic and more often not so cryptic clues. Um, to Eric and I, it's not about the amount of likes our account gets. That would be far too easy. It's more about the honour one should feel for having the All Music Is Good Instagram account like them. Okay, um, this week we have a person. The first clue is he likes pizza without cheese. Okay. He has a dog named Dexter named after West Coast jazz saxophonist and his godfather, Dexter Gordon. Now, before you jump in, I just want to point out that last week when I was going back and editing this podcast, I picked up that I said saxophonist twice. Saxophonist. And no one picked me up on it, but I said saxophonist. I just want to correct my terrible pronunciation last week and say saxophonist. That's okay, it was. Okay. Um, he has a PA who does everything for him, including putting on his watch in the morning and turning his computer on as well. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Dexter? Yeah. So, a dog named Dexter is a man, West Coast, uh, something about the West Coast, yeah, something? Yeah, his, his name, his godfather's saxophonist, Dexter Gordon. Okay, and, and he's got a personal assistant that puts his watch on. And yeah. no cheese on the pizza. And no cheese, cheese on, on the pizza. pizza. Okay. Um... Look, he stole the love of Matt Damon's life away from him and married her as his second wife. As Matt said at the time, he's got $80 million at his own jet. I'll give you my last clue. This person was a childhood tennis prodigy. Oh, is... Okay, childhood. No, no. Oh, actually, I'll give you one more clue. I was going to say Yannick Noah, but... Um... I, I like that. That's pretty obscure. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'll give you the last clue. He's been inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Ooh, okay. This Recently? one might be more up um, Danny's um, alley. Yeah. Struggling. Uh-huh. <laughs> 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 Tennis prodigy. Likes peas with the, cheese with... The, uh, like pizza without cheese. Dexter Gordon, dog, stole Matt Damon's girlfriend off him, married her. He has PAs, he does everything. I could give it, I could really give it away now. Eric will get this as soon as I say this. But I I'll got, give I it got to nothing. You. Danny, why don't you take a stab? No, no, no. I've got nothing. He has an insane art collection. Lars. Oh, yeah. Bought it in this week. Lars Ulrich is our Instagram like of the week. And I'm feeling <laughs> wow. good about this because... I, get, I just get that gut feeling that Lars is going to have some good stuff on Instagram. And look, we should have bought him in a long time ago. Yeah. But on our 21st episode, Lars Ulrich, welcome to the All Music Is Good wow. Instagram like. We will like you this week. And we will, we will enjoy that like. That's huge. 
Thanks, was well. That's um, that's a that's really out there. Is know? it? Yeah. Some I mean, of his stuffs out there. I don't know if it's all true. Who knows? I just type in ten interesting facts about a person, and it just comes up whether they're true or not. It's, you know, it'd be really, really Turns interesting. His computer on. I love that. One. <laughs> no, well, yeah, I was just, <laughs> I'm like, just thinking if it's a new Mac and there's the fingerprint. I don't know how to do. He set the fingerprint <laughs> ID up. What would, be, what would be really interesting would be like he's got a personal assistant that does everything for him except he's insistent that he sets up his own drum kit and, and like loads it in it on and off the stage or something like that. He does or the personal no, assistant No, no, I was just like, uh, like, you know, I'm, I'm wondering about how eccentric a dude can be. It's like everything that's done for him except, you know, lifting except, lifting shells. He's I, he's an interesting dude. Like he's his mum and dad were professional tennis players. And they played at Wimbledon. They were on the, the tennis circuit. Um, D- like Danish or mixed, Swedish? Yeah, sounds sounds Norwegian. very very Nordic. Yeah, yeah. Mixed doubles players, perhaps. Uh, I didn't. Whoa, whoa. Um, I don't know if they played mixed doubles, but they, they were definitely both tennis professionals and to a really high standard. And he was a really high-ranked junior tennis player. And they sent him across to America to um, play at a tennis school or on a tennis scholarship. And then he. I think he went and saw a concert. I can't remember who it was. It might have been the... I think it was Deep Purple, maybe? Um, and once he saw that, he's like, tennis is over. I'm playing rock and roll. I'm wow. going to I'm gonna quote a, a, one, of, one of the f- funniest things Ryan Munro has said to me in the last year. But basically, I, I've got this um, WhatsApp group where we shared just dumb shit, me and a few friends, and Ryan's on the group. And um, there was this clip of... Um, Metallica on, I think it was the Stephen Colbert late night, and uh, and they're playing like I guess the Metallica warehouse, right? So there's like millions of amplifiers, and it's and they're playing Enter Sandman, and um and basically like they're playing it, and like you know just before you know take my hand, um like Lars does the one two three four count. And it's just unbelievable that like, and there's no one in the rooms, right? So it's like, is he counting the band in? Like, have they forgotten how to play Under Sandman, or is, is he, or is this, or is this just a thing? And then we started reflecting on the fact that like, it was like a really bold, um, like that's like something like a wedding drummer is gonna do. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Just keep the band in check. So it was, he's old school, dude. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Yeah, literally old school. <laughs> anyway, um, I was wondering if the tennis. Like the, the sound of, you know, hitting tennis balls, clicking, you know, oh, had some sort of element. influence of the clicky sound of his bass drum. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty obscure. But look, yeah, yeah, maybe. 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 going for the, uh, the center court. The yeah. center court tone. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I, I, I mean, remember. Oh, like, you know, back in those days, they would have had their rackets strung at a very different tension. So it's a different pingy sound back in the 70s, early, late 60s, when he would have been around. It was more of a gut string so it would have been pinging off it like it would have been like that, not a. Yeah, but I think his bass drum is a bit. Oh right, okay. Yeah. Well, there's a PhD in that. I think there Eric. is a PhD in that. <laughs> I, I do remember purchasing the Metallica CD single from my local Sight and Sound CD shop. One, oh. the single one. Okay. And and I thought it was pretty amazing. I had a CD player that you could repeat the song or the entire CD. So it had repeat one or repeat all, and I'd put it on repeat oh, one. Just one, one, and one, I'd blow one. people's minds like, "Hey, check this out!" It's like knows that the song's called one because <laughs> it says repeat one. What was going party on? trick? How old that is then? a party trick. <laughs> I was like thirteen. Yeah, okay. 
I was like, you know, 25. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Well, look, we haven't even chatted music yet. No. Um, Danny, lovely to have you tonight. Um, we're looking forward to discussing a few albums. Um, let's have a One short step, step, break three. and we'll get back into it with some music. Down into the meadow. I saw the merchant with the black fur coat. He waved me over. He said, Come here, boy. Don't wave Let me show you my way. Dolls for sale, dolls for sale. Smiles for sale, smiles for sale. Gold, ruby, copper, diamond, whatever do you need? Anything but the real, oh, anything but the real. Anything but the real, anything but the real, you devil Album for this week is Smiling with No Teeth by Sydney artist Genesis Owusu. So, a little bit about this artist um, Kofi Owusu Ansa, born 1998, is known as Genesis Owusu and is a Ghanaian Australian singer from Canberra. He was born in Ghana and moved to Australia at the age of two. He is the brother of another artist named Citizen Kane. Mm. The Genesis Owusu Band is made up of a, well, it's a pretty all-star lineup. Uh, Kieran J. Callanan on the guitar, uh, Touch Sensitive uh, on the bass guitar, Julian Sudek on the drums, and Andrew Kippel on keyboard, and he's also credited um, as the main producer of this record. And I'm really keen to talk a little bit about him Do you know shortly. any of these guys? Yeah. Uh, well, Kieran J. Callanan's a bit of a kind of um, J.P. Shiloh type, Nick Cave-esque. Oh kind oh. of uh, noise guitar player. You know, you'd often see him at Cafe Romantica when he was living in <laughs> Melbourne at, at about four in the morning. Wow. Um, bit of a rock star, amazing guitar player and, you know, definitely from another time okay. um, and a great player. Um, so Genesis Wusu, uh, well, on the 3rd of July 2019, he performed as an opening act at Five Seconds of Summer's sold-out benefit concert in Sydney. That's a weird start. Um, his song W... A oh, good one, though. They're, I think they're one of the top five streaming artists ever in Australian I bet, history. I bet. Like five seconds of summer. His, um, his song WUTD was featured on a Bose noise-cancelling headphones 700 commercial in October 2017. And uh, his song Sideways had national rotation on Triple J. So that's a couple of little things for the uh, the researchers out there. Sounds like a Wikipedia research, Eric. Could be. Mm. So, um, basically, I, I went and had a bit of a read about of, about Genesis Wusu um, in a recent Guardian article. And um, basically, you know, it, it, he talks a lot about kind of being quite inspired by Kendrick Lamar's To Pimp a Butterfly um, and the concept of this, like, conceptual album. And um, I, f- I feel as though he really kind of gets there on this record. It's got that really sort of schizophrenic style that To Be a Butterfly has. And jumping between all sorts of sounds and all sorts of personas, 
And he actually talked a little bit about how um, in this record he actually sort of embodied different characters. Um, and, and he says that like making making like thoughts and feelings into characters made it a bit easier to elaborate on how all these things within him would interact with one another. And, um, and then, you know, was able to kind of almost remove himself and, and look at things as like a conversation between two people, which I think is just a really, really cool thing. I'm not sure if you guys have seen, but he's, he did a thing last year on a, like a, a Triple J like a version where he played Bulls on Parade. And um, it, it absolutely slays. Like it, I mean, there's nothing, there's no real special spin on it. it no, he just, just did a take a cover of it. A basically. cover it of really Bulls good. on Parade and the band kill it and he kills it. And um, look, this record to me is unbelievable i was completely completely blown away by this um didn't know much about him uh i should just shout out a friend of mine chris o'neill a, a drummer from brisbane and a dear friend of mine who was like you have to have to review the genesis of wusu record on your podcast it is unbelievable and i'm gonna say i'm gonna just throw it down right now i think this is the best sounding album i've heard made in this country hmm um, in so much as touching on a kind of more hip hoppy sort of American sound, I've, I haven't heard anything that even comes close. It's, it's certainly different. It's it's very different sounding compared to yeah a heap of albums I've heard. Yeah. Um, so it made me starting start to kind of research the producer um, whose name is Andrew uh, Clipple, and um, he used to be in an electronic music group called Euphoria. Oh, what? Right? That's not true. Yep. Oh, I think it is true. It is true. So That's they so were, bizarre. Yeah, they were a dance pop trio. We talked about this with Ryan like, like, like weeks ago. Right. This is like one in a million... Um, One in a million. Can't I'll, get enough of I'll, you. I'll never leave you. Total Euphoria. Uh, oh, this is bizarre. It is completely bizarre. Oh, my God. Ryan Munder and I had a full deep dive into euphoria literally about two months ago because he popped a cd on his instagram 100 hits and i wrote back i can only see about 65 percent hits on this cd and then we then euphoria was one of those and he said yeah euphoria only had one hit I'm like actually no they had like three hits and they were massive and anyway and then we were sending each other clips of hey hey it's saturday and, of that, and playing, i think i got in on that at that point sorry oh, wow. sorry i you know, keep no, going. No, no, that's so, that's, a, that's really interesting. Am, so, amazing. So that's like twenty five years ago. Absolutely. So this Clipple guy, um, you know, songwriter producer for Human Nature, yeah, Marta Sanchez, Katie Noonan, and Jocelyn Brown, and whatever the hell he has, he has got the special source because this I legitimately feel is an international sounding record that kind of, you know, like references but doesn't copy records like To Pimp a Butterfly, records yep. like Tyler Creator's, um, what was that record that came out a year ago? Eagle. Um, it's just unreal. Um, yeah, I, I feel as though we, we don't have a, a great depth of that sort of no, you know hip-hop style with a full live band and, you know, super interesting production in this country. And I think this absolutely uh, sets the bar for it. So... I cannot uh, rate this higher and higher than I'm. I'm already kind of you know <laughs> gesticulating and using all sorts of. You like the album? I, I love it. I think it's absolutely brilliant. Um, uh, main tracks for me that I thought were standouts was Centerfold. Yeah. Um, it had like an Anderson Anderson Pack vibe, 
but completely his vibe. Like it didn't sound like he was copying Anderson Pack. It just had. I thought, I, I've written down Frank Ocean. Right. I thought it was very Frank Ocean that song. And then um, waiting. Was it waiting on you? Um, well, that's track four. Yep. And yeah. I said, you know, quite a Tyler the Creator vibe with a hint of Outcast. Hooks are amazing and an unreal drum sound. Was and that like a, a, a more up tune, Waiting On You? Yeah. No, 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 oh. no, that was more. Waiting On You was track four and that was a down tempo R&B uh, maybe track as well. After, sorry. Yeah. And then uh, the title track um, was like straight P-Funk Parliament vibe. And one of the things that I loved about the production on that song was um, Andrew Clipple or the mix engineer, whoever was kind of in charge of the Sonics, kind of did this amazing little trick with the backup vocals where they were kind of sitting in a place and they kept on growing and getting wider and growing and getting wider and it was just unbelievable. So I I, I just recommend anyone listening to this, go and listen to um, this record. It's, it's, it's really unreal. Danny, what do you reckon? I have not gone as deep as what you have gone. That's okay. One thing I'll say, I listened to this record twice. Okay, that's, I did. More, that's more, deep. More, more than I did. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> once in the car and then once in my once in my practice studio like and practicing practice pad to this. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because the, the feels were great. The feels were great. Mm. So it's cool. And if I get good feeling music, sometimes it's like, oh, cool, I can do boring exercises on my practice pad and listen to good feeling music. I think Danny's just making a pitch for the tour. (laughs) (laughs) I've just practiced to this. I've learned it all. Like, anything happens. I'm free this month. (laughs) I'm free from June 2nd. I'll be in Brisbane this weekend. Have you got a gig? I'm there. Sorry. Um, I I don't know anything about the artist, the production, even the references that you're mentioning. Yep. it's, It's very new territory for me. I couldn't pin where this this was made. Mm. Yeah. There were times where I thought, oh, maybe it's an English artist. I'm not sure. Mm. Hang on. It could be, no, that's like definitely American sounding. I just, I couldn't pin it down. Well, it's an interesting one. I think that, I think that sort of almost goes to what, I mean, he's 22 years old and it, uh, it, it speaks a lot to this kind of new generation of artists that don't see themselves as like these, <coughs> you know, Australian artists no, or you know got more of a global outlook absolutely and, and you have to yeah and and, and I think uh, he, he really kind of nails that global sound I, I saw on his Instagram that there's a whole set of American tour dates booked for 2022 so awesome that's this is going to be a thing you know what I mean like yeah. he's got you know a, a huge list of dates for 2022 so I think there's, there's gonna, things are going to happen for this guy um, so you like the feels um any kind of songs that kind of poke out to you or... There was one actually in the car that poked out that was reminiscent of the theme from Full House. <laughs> wow, okay. Yeah, the chorus. <laughs> the okay, let's hear it, let's hear it. I actually know who wrote the theme to Full House and it was the songwriters who wrote the um, <coughs> the lead single to Whitney Houston's hit. I think it was... Uh, they were in a band called Boy Meets Girl. And I think they wrote the theme song to Full House. Don't ask me why I know this, but I was just looking it up the other day. Keep going. No, well, that's that's all I've got on that. <laughs> You've right. deep-dived into Full House more than I have as well. I don't, I don't even remember the theme from Full House. Um, we, we will drop it in in the background. We, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, you know, please do. Like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah,
into it. I like it, and I'll listen to it again. Okay, cool, Definitely. unreal, yep. great. Um, look again, like I think I might have intimated this, but um, in fairness of full full disclosure to both of you, like this was the last album I got to this week. Um, yeah, and it was pretty obvious after one listen that I should have started this earlier. Uh, like to like to me, it was just it was such a surprise packet this album, and I think it just proves the point that um, when you're going into albums with zero expectations, it's always the best way to listen to to any type of art form. I think um, it just gives more honest reactions. So, like, where to start? Like that interesting. That opening track was really interesting with the, like the vocal distortion, and it had that sort of like two live crew, that Miami sort of drum machine beat, um, that just sort of like okay, no, this is interesting, and then it dropped into the Black Dog, which was like that sort of off kilter post wave, mm. you know, um, dance pop number. Like I, I was actually starting to get Machine Gun Flow Show references, which was like you know maybe that's not a good reference, but that's you know that could be Clipple's era. It, it totally is his era. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and then like halfway through, it just took this completely left turn um, when it went really wonky and funky and I was starting to get references of Prince mm-hmm. and and then and then like when that happened, I'm starting to sort of feel my way into the journey that this album was and I'm like going, okay, I'm, I'm starting to feel this. This is like, this is different and I'm enjoying it. And yeah, track three, Centrefold, as you said, Arik, that I, I got really real big Frank Ocean vibes. And and I was almost thinking, the way he sings, there's almost this sort of like modern Bootsy Collins sort of mm. funky. He's not sort of, he's a bit goofy with his, with his folk, with his, you know, rhymes. And it's a bit weird and it's a bit left field and it's, it's cool. Um, it's not standard. And I think that's what standard, that stood out to me. Like when something's different, mm. You know, it stands out and demands attention and makes you want to listen to it a little bit more. For me, anyway. Um, so just on that was because what you know, I like I was kind of listening to it and I was like, I couldn't put it into a box because it was a bit. No, it was like band. It was definitely band music, um, and you know, it was touching on some of all these kind of different references. And then it went, as you said, it went into like a funky section, and then it went into like a garage rock, yeah, world, yeah. yeah. And like my first reaction was like. Oh gee, this is a bit all over the shop. And then I had to kind of catch myself and go, "What's wrong with all over the shop?" Like, well, I've written something ro- to your point that you've just made. I've written something here. Track five hits with this sort of Timberland Maneater beat, and and I found it really refreshing. Change like it just went from this neo soul vibe back into this post wave pop vibe, and subconsciously I was wasn't thinking I needed it, but I knew when it hit, it's like, oh. I needed that because I don't want to be in like neo soul territory the whole time because that's sort of like it's flashbacks to you know twenty years ago and he's referenced it and he's moved on to something completely different. It was really good. Um, track six, Prince meets UK new wave of written. Um, look, so I think I'm going to stop here and ask the question like like the the album is you know left field. It's catchy as hell. Um, it's in your face. Like in the, the best kind of sort of in your face, but is it? Do we think this is suited to an Australian market at all? Is there any sort of place in you know Australia where this genre would be you know would fit? Um, like I could, I could see it doing really well in the UK. Hundred percent. Like this, it's got that sort of you know we we mentioned the Gorillas last week, but they're they're really open to that sort of left field pop, you know, mm. funk post wave sort of thing. 
I just think it'd do really well well over there. But I don't know about Australia. Yeah, like I mean, I don't know. I think I don't think they're aiming for that. You know what I mean? I think they're 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 looking bigger. There's nothing here that no. sounds cookie cutter for you know Australian radio. Mm. It, it, they're they're thinking bigger. That'd be my take. What do you reckon, Danny? <laughs> <laughs> You know, I have no idea. Okay, great. I got so no idea, great. man. Like, <laughs> I think it sounds great. You know, I'd love to see it live. Yeah, me too. Love to see it live. Um, from a Look. from a kind of you know drum tone, drum tone <laughs> master like yourself, someone that calls lots of drums. I don't know. For me, I love the sound of the drum kit in this. Did you, anything pop for you? Like, uh, I, I don't know. I, I I actually I wasn't listening. In that really way. specific to tones. Yep. Yep. Cool. Yeah. That probably says a lot, perhaps, about the artist himself who just commands a lot of attention as the center point of the tracks. It, it all washed over me as a as a, like a, yeah, as a piece. You know, yeah. And as, and the jumping around things. like the the stylistic sort of wasn't jumping around. It was like no, it's just being an album. Yeah, mm. it was yeah. just being was an great. album. Yeah. I was kind of getting more into that. Yeah. Like, oh wow, it's kind of going here now, and now we're turning there. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Mm. Hey, um, look, production-wise, like I'm, I'm a real massive fan of albums where instruments or bits just like jump out of you, like out of the speaker. And there was heaps of times on this album where, like, it might have been a guitar section would just start coming out of the speakers or a, there's one song where the tambo was like really massively up in the mix sometimes there's a bv section i thought that was really cool and just a good way to keep people engaged um and then like as you got further along to the album this like psych element started to creep in yep. to it and you started to get like lenny kravitz and d'angelo sort of vibes sort of coming at you um I thought Black Dogs had like a real reg- early regurgitator feel about Ooh, that's it. That's a really good. That's a really good comparison, actually. I mean, those guys definitely were all over the shop in those early days. They were, yeah, yeah. with the princey sort of funky indie vibes. Um, and then we had White Rip Whipcracker, which had like a Noel Rogers Bowie vibe. Look, there's so much to unpack mm. on this album, um, and I feel bad that I've only given it like one and a bit listens. Like it requires so much more, I think. Um, I've written down two negatives and that's for me, like, you know, I've re- I really like this. So I'm being really super picky here. I thought sometimes like the vocal production was like a little bit lacking. Um, like it sounded like maybe it was a bit roomy or they'd use, <laughs> they used the wrong mic. <laughs> I don't know. Like I just thought like it could have been more, or maybe it needed more compression sucked in this. I just thought um, it wasn't attacking me enough. Uh, and the second when this is being really picky was that maybe it was a couple of songs too long at the end. Like, I, 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 was, I, thought I, was, I agree with that. The, the production sort of tailed off in the last three songs and yep. that was across the board in those three songs. I was like, it probably doesn't really need to be here, these three three songs. I think it's good as it was. I, says, I think that says, I mean, you know, it's a 15-song record. Yeah. Um, but I think it says a lot about that, you know, what like the difference between making an album versus an EP or a single. Like... You know, you need to know when it's done yeah, and yeah. when to stop. Yep. And uh, uh, of course, perhaps when you get to that kind of pointy end at the end, you're like, oh, okay, well, you know, I've got these songs as well, or you know, that, that maybe they just get chucked in at the end. Who who knows? I mean, Danny's just 
put out a new album, Replicates. Um, Replicants. I mean, he would have written 50 tracks for the album and he would have just condensed it down to like, what, <laughs> when he was on the 12, 10? Just the quality 10. That's right. Well, you know, the first record I did, there was, I think, I was just under 30 minutes. That's fine. Well, yeah. If it's done, it's I done. I remember when I first asked Stephen Tram to mix it and I said, oh, look, I've got about 30 minutes of music, so I'll write a few more, you know, to get around the 40. And he's like, why? Yeah, you don't no. actually have to do anything. You can do whatever you want now. Like, exactly. Just do whatever you want. We've done albums that are 19 minutes mm. um, and that's an album. So it absolutely doesn't matter yep. anymore. So like if, if it's done and it feels like it's a complete piece of work, that's what it is these days. But I, th- I still think we've done a number of albums where by, yeah, they, they could have done with a bit of snipping and just pruning just to sort of, you know, to make it more cohesive. Um, look, I'm going to be a little bit controversial here and... I know that like we're all getting over COVID and people need to work, but like I found myself flicking through the TV flicker, the remote control on Sunday night, and I come across the um, music from the home front, and you know just like thinking, oh man, new artists like this guy, like where is he showcasing yeah. his talent? Like, like hiatus, you know, we're we're putting on these acts, and again, no shade to any of these artists, but. Like, oh, I want to see someone like this get a get a feature and get or because he's 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 seriously talented. Seriously and talented. as you said, Eric, like this is global music, and this is going to do, I would imagine, really well. I think if they've got the right team behind it. Um, so I, I just I was just you know thinking about oh, as an industry in Australia, we're really incredibly risk adverse about putting you know new new artists like this on and, and giving them a, a chance to shine anyway i probably shouldn't i mean like just, this, i mean but. just through that i think just fundamentally like without getting into an entirely yes. new episode of a podcast <laughs> what i what i will say is he's got such an artistry to him that like an australian film crew wouldn't be able to handle the heat so <laughs> i i legit reckon that like it's no no big deal for him he you know he'll 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 play he'll Pass over that yeah, and probably, probably right. get invited back and go. Actually, nah, I've got you know a US film team now, so blah blah blah. Yeah. Um. Okay. So should, okay, we, should yeah. we go ahead and rate this? Eric, can you please introduce tonight's unofficial rating scale? I can. Thank you, Waza. So um, each week on the All Music Is Good podcast, we like to uh, celebrate um, our unofficial podcast sponsor. The unofficial podcast sponsor can be. A product it can be a place it can be a concept um please not a concept this week i hate concepts just something something normal something normal something are uh, not so arbitrary something more physical something well real. look you know we'll we'll take this to the to the uh to the floor and see if this is a physical a conceptual or other okay this week's unofficial podcast sponsor is the unchanged, forever consistent smell of the night cat in Fitzroy. Oh. So, established in 1996 on Johnson Street in funky Fitzroy, the night cat quickly cemented its reputation as the 475 capacity home of funk, soul, Latin, jazz, disco, hip hop. With a 360-degree format and a Maya sound system. A Maya sound system. Now, 
<laughs> a little bit about... Is this on Wikipedia? Come on. No, it's not. It's not. It's uh, from TripAdvisor, actually. Mm. Um, <laughs> so I went on a little deep dive because I, uh, I'm really curious to know what, how that smell smell the place smells exactly the same are you as talking about the toilet smell no i'm talking about the whole, the whole place smell. Okay. it's got this like fruity yeah fruity smell to it that like they have moved the stage from one place to another moved it back they've yeah. completely changed the floor um it's changed owners it's on its third owner yeah. since i've known it yeah and it still smells exactly the same like unchanged Unchanged fruity smell, you say? That's yeah, a bit fruity. I wouldn't use the word fruity. Well, it's more of an industrial. Must, they must buy their cleaning products from the yeah same place. Same place, yeah. yeah. Perhaps it's probably a mafia-controlled cleaning group that makes sure they have to buy the same product. Could well be. It could be. It, it could be. It's under two hundred year contract. It could be a two hundred year <laughs> contract. So I, I actually started doing a little bit of uh, research about the place, and um. I came across some really interesting things. Obviously, well, it goes back to, um, I guess it was open in, well, that room was open in 1994 mm. by a guy, Henry Mass, who yep, Henry. we I'm sure we've all met before. Um, but get this. Do you know how it actually happened? Henry Mass won $10,000 yes. on a scratchy. Yes. And then took it over. Isn't that unbelievable? Yeah. I, I mean, I have you, that. have either of you guys ever won anything on a scratchy? Uh-huh. No more than twelve dollars. No, yeah. <laughs> there you go. So, um, that was just <clears throat> that was a wild fun fact. But, anyways, I was in there on um, I played a show there on Friday night, and I walked in and I was like, oh my god, it smells exactly the same. Yeah, and it just, I just mm. it just felt like home. Yeah. So this week's All Music Is Good podcast sponsor is the Unchanged Forever Consistent Smell. Of the night cat. Do well done, Eric. I, I do remember whenever you go there for a sound check, there would always be someone cutting lemons yes. and limes. At the That's back. true. At, at the, the back. back. Like yeah, pre cutting yeah, yeah. for, right for near the coronas, the, um, like that, you know, stick yeah, yeah, the lime and Yeah, yeah. Right near the bottle smasher. Right near the bottle smasher. Yeah. Do you reckon it's a lemon and lime thing? Maybe that's. Yeah. Like that over the top of the cleaning. Yes, products. I reckon you're you're onto something because it is they, fruity. That is a bit weird, isn't it? They're always chopping lemons and limes always, at the back. There's always sound checks. Someone's <laughs> chopping. <laughs> Never really caught on to that. There's something deeper there. Well, Danny, I reckon I reckon you've totally just landed on our on our scoring system, which is I guess I mean should we, would it be how many. Lemons, maybe limes. How many limes? It is more limey than lemon. I agree with you. <laughs> How many limes you can chop in a sound check at the night cat to give it, um, you <laughs> to know, give that smell to give the smell. And I think to mix that smell. To in. be honest, like I mean, you, you you could easily get through in a sound check. What maybe forty limes? Oh, chop way up forty more limes in way one sound check. I think a thousand. I mean, that depends. A thousand the, limes d- depends the artist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I yeah. mean, the sound guys of the Night Cat, they're happy for one song and to move on. That's right. Um, well, how many, well, how, how, many, how many limes is, is in a sound? Like, can I just say the one other thing? Is? Like, after every set, we would, after the every set, they would have the same soundtrack that would come on. Like, like when Max was doing it, Boom Shake the Room would come on after oh. every, no matter what style of music you were playing, Boom Shake the Room by Will Fr- Will. Will Will Smith. Will Smith and Fresh Prince 
No, Will Smith is the Fresh Prince. Yeah. Fresh Prince Will, and Will DJ Smith. Jazzy Jeff. There it is. Would come on. And um, if we could mix that in somewhere, because right. that was my memory. Okay. Didn't shake the room. I just like learned all the words to the song just so I could sort of well, where are we going? spit where, where, the rhyme as I'd walk off stage. Well, that's You're when, back up now and give a brother room. Look, was I'm happy for, <laughs> to include that in the rating scale. Um, <laughs> that could be a side side. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, bonus make that, yeah. Make that a sub sub rating scale, okay. um, which is uh, basically how like how many words you can. How many words do you know for the broom shake the from broom shake the room? Which I and I know you know all of them. <laughs> um, so I, look, I'm going to call it. I'm going to say. I reckon the max amount of limes you can cut in a sound check is about sixty limes. No, it must be a hundred. Surely. I mean, if you they were limes. good, they were doing it like every night. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So let's, fuck it. Let's let's call punch. it a hundred. Hundred. Hundred like, limes. That's like, your top score. Yeah. Like just getting a contract from them for the other day is like four hundred max capacity, and so like if hundred of those people, <laughs> coronas. Yeah. Then you need you'd at least a hundred limes. The virus. You need hundred limes. Yeah. 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 And yeah. you know yeah. you got four wedges in each lime. Let's call it a hundred limes. Yeah. 100 so a hundred limes is your top score. Okay. Um, Ooh. I might go first. Okay, you can run it. Please. Right. So <laughs> I'm going to give this album, I reckon I'm going to give it 80, 80 limes out of a possible 100 limes that one can chop in a sound check at the night cut that gives the night cut the unchanged forever consistent smell. I thought you were going to go higher. I also thought I was going to... I know, I actually also thought I was going to go higher. Um, I just don't think I'm going to listen to this much. So I guess like the, yeah. hard, the hard thing yeah. for me is that like there are albums which score lower, but a hundred percent become part of like the collection of music that I'll listen to. Um, yeah, and I also think maybe like if to be honest, if this was out of ten, I would have given it a nine. But for me to go ninety out of a hundred, it's a lot, isn't it? It's just a lot. It's a lot know? of. It's limes. a lot of limes. It's a lot of limes. <laughs> it is. You know, it's mate, a lot you could of have a lot of caparingas yeah. though with all you those. You could limes. have a lot of caparingas. Oh. But no, fair, Danny. I did give it a big, a big rap. Um, yeah, all right. No, but I'm going to stick with 80 limes. I just, I mean, I can't even get my head around 100 limes. You know what I mean? <laughs> you could Is have last week. You gave it 10 out of 10 last week. Yeah, but that's 10 Which out of 10. Is, I mean, it's different from 100. You're right. You know, it is different from 100. You're right. Hey, I'm going to jump in quickly. I'm going to say, I am going to say exactly the same. I'm going to give 80 limes out of 100. I thought this was a really amazing effort. Um, oh, God. Yeah, it was so interesting. I, I'd be interested to what, I, what I'd give it if. Um, I've given it a couple more listens, actually. Um, yeah, whether it's going to go up or go down. Uh, but tonight, definitely 80 limes and maybe your first verse of Boom Shake the Room. Just, just, just chuck just it in there. <laughs> like sung, there. sung by Wazza. Sprinkling. <laughs> Sp- yeah, sprinkling of the first verse. Daddy, what yeah. did you give Look, it? Look, I'll man? go a 72. 72, 72 limes. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty good. That is good. That's good. I mean, there's, a yeah. lo- there's a lot of, um, there's a lot he- of like... Um, citrus in in your cuts I, with I, all these lines. I gotta say, I probably would have gone actually, maybe a little lower. Okay, mm. but hearing up, hearing you guys talk about it, you yeah, yeah. you it, got it, me you got me a bit more excited about it. It does actually, happen. I was like, actually, yeah, that was you can get good. Good. <laughs> yeah, 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 enthusiasm. That's called yeah. you're mirroring, Danny. That's what it's called. You're mirroring. <laughs> oh, happy, happy to mirror. <laughs> all right, so that's um that's. Two 80s out of 100, 80 limes out of a possible 100 limes and 72 limes out of a possible 100 limes. We'll be back with our next album very shortly.
Next album we have for you this evening is London Grammar's California Soil. Is it Californian Soil? I think it's Californian, Californian soil. 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 It's a hard one to get out of the mouth. It is actually. Um, look, London Grammar are an English indie pop band formed in Nottingham in 2009. The band consists of Hannah Reid, Dan Rotham and Dominique Major. Um, Hannah and Dan are originally from London and they met at Ancaster Hall of Residence at the University of Nottingham during the first year in 2000, during their first year in 2009. And uh, Rotham saw that Reid played guitar and contacted us if, to see if she wanted to collaborate. Uh, they were joined by uh, Northampton native Dominique Major a year later after he began playing music together with Rotham. After completing their studies in mid-2010, the trio moved down to London to pursue a career in music. Uh, the band began by playing low-key gigs at local bars and soon found themselves noticed by a number of A&R people. Don't you love when that happens? Like, don't you wish you're in a band? Oh, I just played a few gigs and then some A&R guys just noticed us and just signed us up. Um, they were signed uh, to Ministry of Sound. Uh, while Big Life took the management duties uh, in the second half of 2013. Uh, the same year, the trio did some early recordings with um, Rollo Armstrong of Faithless and Liam Howe of Sneaker Pimps. Pretty cool. Uh, later in the year, the band continued to work with uh, Tim Brown of Dreadzone and Roy Kerr, and by the end of the year, most of the recording had been completed um, for their EP. Um, on November 12, 2012, the trio posted their song, Hey Now, on YouTube, it immediately received a huge amount of attention. Their debut extended play, Metal and Dust, was released in February of 2013. Um, the album, uh, oh, the debut album, If You Wait, was released in 2013. The album reached number two on the UK albums charts and was certified double platinum. The band's second studio album, Truth Is A Beautiful Thing, was released in 2017, peaking at number one on the UK charts. And this is their third album i think uh californian soil look guys i first encountered a london grammar right back and i might be look they were just starting out and i i might have my stories mixed up here but i think it might have been when the app shazam had just been released so just in, just in like in just keeping on trend was yeah. um i'm not sure if you know danny but was likes to just send people good on ya messages when he hears new records. Apparently, <laughs> when Flume put out his first track, Was was trawling Triple J Unearthed and was just like, you know, it was like Uncle Was decided to send a message to Flume going, good on you, man. You know, great work. So I'm curious to know, Was, did you get on the message with London Grammar and say, good stuff, guys, keep it up? I didn't quite, but um, look, I shazammed it in a, in a cafe in a hip but completely up itself Bayside suburb where I work mm. um, and look it came up it came up uh, it came out saying this song was called Hey Now which was their first single off off the um, off the Metal and Dust EP um, so look I found out the group was called London Grammar a pr- pretty pretentious name I thought but hey I was like I'll look them up and I liked that, you know, it had a bit of a blend of electro and indie. So, yeah, I looked them up on the web and saw that they had a gig coming up at the Prince of Wales in six weeks' time. I thought, I might go just grab a ticket and just go and have a look and see what they're like. 
So, like, you, you are an enigma. With you are a Shazam <laughs> and bought a True ticket. True enigma. With, with, look, within that six week period, something <laughs> happened. And it wasn't like Nirvana release smells like Teen Spirit or anything like that. But like in that six week period, they went from an unknown indie band to like one of the hottest bands on the planet. So perhaps you are the special source. Like basically, perhaps. maybe the way the whole thing works. If it people, wasn't like that. If people track the data of the ticket sales <laughs> yeah. and they're like, Warren Hunter bought a ticket, this is serious. <laughs> or what he shazammed it. Warren Hunter shazammed it. Quite possibly, Eric. I mean, who knows what metadata craziness was going on back then. I don't know. Um, look, so look, I rocked up to the gig um, and I found out that, you know, it was 90% UK expats and they were getting hammered and they were going mental and they were singing along to the songs. And I'm just standing there in this crowd thinking, what the fuck am I doing here? Like, how did I end up here? I'm just going along by myself. Impulse by. But it was it was awesome. It was fun. Like, it was a bit short because I don't think they had a lot of songs. Like, I think maybe they were probably playing some songs they were demoing off the new album. And... Like, I can't remember, but like, you know, I saw London Grammar when it was totally cool to see them. And I think that therefore makes me cool. Um, well, it is unquestionable. <laughs> it's it's done. Um, it wasn't as cool as when I saw Muse at the Evelyn, though. That was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. Um, look, let's talk about the album. Look, that intro song <laughs> is sort of like the theme to Braveheart just before sort of Mel Gibson... You know, he's preparing for battle at dawn on his last day, knowing he's probably going to die and all his kids and his wife are dead. Did you get that sort of vibe, that Celtic sort of... I loved it. I <laughs> Honestly, like, so we reviewed the Ferris Sanders record on our last episode and, we, and, you know, we were having a bit of a laugh about the fact that, like, the London Symphony Orchestra was booked and like but more or less there was like... Yeah, they played one note for the first for the first hour. Six, for the first six tracks and... Um, and you know, and we kind of talked about, it and Lewis talked about how, like, you know, but it, you know, they warmed up, and we were thinking whether you know, there's a situation of, you know, if you want a London Symphony player, do you have to book the whole band? Like, do you have to book the whole orchestra? That was basically the question. Wow. Yeah. So then this record comes on, and I'm like, this is definitely the London Symphony Orchestra, <laughs> and then I'm like, I got two for one is, deal. There's a two for one deal. Like, <laughs> like were they set up? Like just in the studio and we're like, okay, guys, London Grammar's coming in. Let's go. Because clearly they're showing up a bit here and or, are well, they, or, or is it just like... And we've got Ferris Sanders in the afternoon. As long as we don't have to do much, as long as we can just sit around for half an hour yeah. and just play one and, note. And get, you know, and get paid and get at, union you know, rates. The, the union rates. Yeah. Um, but I did love, I mean, I, I love that intro. I thought it was so bold and um, <laughs> okay, I loved it. Okay, moving on. California Soil. Look, I mean... This track, it forces you to listen to the lyrics, doesn't it? The production is so stark and, um, you know, I left my soul on Californian soil. I guess that's probably always going to happen when you're catapulted into the rarefied air of rock and roll superstardom, mm. which they did off the back of that song Strong. So, Eric, let's do some real talk here. Let's let's be honest. If these guys were in an Oz band, I think this album would be um, sitting in the adult contemporary 
aria category most likely adult contemporary say that yeah absolutely which is the only category one really wants to be in to (laughs) be honest but nothing wrong with the adult contemporary i mean spoken beautifully as you both lounge on a wonderful sofa in the the outer (laughs) suburbs of melbourne look the album itself is inoffensive i think it can be enjoyed by all age groups like it's emotive it's epic it has catchy four chord cycle progressions which get rehashed at a similar BPM throughout the album. Look, how does it feel? Goes like that full weekend Max Martin vibe. Like, you know, that I can't feel my face groove. Um, but I just thought the lyrics are a bit lazy at times. And, um, you know, what was it? Do you think about me when you're all alone, when the tide comes in to tell me where will you go? It's obviously a metaphor for something specific, but like, I feel like it's a bit, paint by numbers for me Danny um, look Baby It's You was a song that got back to something that mo- they might have done earlier in their career had that sort of lost in translation soundtrack vibe skip glitch beats reverse guitar loops um, you know touched on their earlier work um, I don't know like you know she does this sort of Celtic epic voice thing really well but I just think maybe that they need some more tricks in their bag this band because it just feels all the same like her phrasing the progressions the bpms the octave vocal split sort of stuff um it's not terrible but like all music is good but this just felt really boring to me and i feel like you know i want this band to challenge themselves and do something a bit more experimental because you know band like you know these songs are you know, I bet this, these songs that they're putting out feel like a bit like the equivalent of shooting fish in a barrel to me. Like, I think they could just churn these out, like, you know, 10 at a time, 100 at a time. Um, I just, yeah, I just didn't like I just found myself skipping, pushing skip on the album. Um, look, at, and I, I, lastly, before you go, Ari, I think the cynic in me can't help but wondering if they, you know, put the US diss song America as the last song because it was a bit sort of, you know, you know, the A&R guys got in there, we better push, Ooh, better push that push down it, yeah, yeah. at yeah, the end, you know, down. it's a bit sort of subversive for American audiences, blah, blah, blah. I feel bad because like, I, you know, I read a review and I listened to an interview with, with Hannah as well, just talking about how massively proud they are of this album and, you know, how much work they put into it. So, you know, and, you know, they, they, she said, you know, it felt like a band doing the work that they want to do and, you know, Far be it for me to just sort of get in there and just sort of just go, this is freaking boring. But that like, said was, I mean, you did Shazam their track and potentially started the fire. So maybe the opinion I'm putting is the fire valid, out. you know. Yeah, maybe I'm just putting the <laughs> yeah, fire out. Unshazamming. <laughs> just, I don't know. <laughs> Reverse like, Shazam. I just think maybe this is a band that just need, yeah, as I said, a few more tricks in their bow because it just seemed like there was a lot of rehash going on in this album and quite similar to their earlier work, but maybe not as good. Um, but all music is good. Um, you know, COVID albums hard to do. Uh, I might throw it over to one of you two guys to take over. Well, yeah, I might. You know, I, like you made you made some really good points, and Danny, I'd love to bring you onto this conversation too. Um, so I think the thing that showed up for me here, I, I guess I want to respond to what you said first, which is is this kind of like I want to hear some new tricks kind of thing, and to me. Like Hannah Reed's voice is like, you know, if you want to get all of the ingredients, it's Hannah Reed's voice 
ambient guitar with a bit of like rave synth every now and again. Yeah. And that's kind of like, that's what they do. Yeah. And they do it really fucking well. Um, so like, I, I kind of think, okay, cool. Like what are other groups that like have a distinct sound? Let's take the Foo Fighters, which we reviewed a few weeks ago. And yeah, yeah. we kind of let them off the hook for just doing the Foo Fighters. And I kind of feel this record is just London grammar doing London grammar. I agree. I think the difference with the Foo Fighters is that they were, it sounded like they were having fun doing it. And I don't know if this sounded like they were having fun. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I just think it's just an interesting one because I had a really similar feeling. I'm like, I'm just, there's nothing that's like doing anything for me. And it literally just sounds like London grammar. Mm. Um, And then hearing you talk about it, I was, I was sort of like, getting angry. Yeah. I just wanted to kind of resist and go, like, you know, especially given both mine and your lenses of like particular types of music where things are kind of always pushing boundaries. Yeah, um, I agree. I wonder whether or not that's like a, just a fair thing to say to, uh, about fundamentally a UK pop, a UK down tempo pop, uh, you know, group. Yeah. On the flip side... Um, I completely agree with you 100%. Really? No, no, no. That's what you're about to On say. On the flip me. side, I completely agree with you <laughs> yeah. 100%. Okay. So I'll go track for track. And then, um, Danny, I'd love to get your take on the concept of like, you know, um, you know, when a band like just locks into the thing they're good at, if that's recycling or if it's just, you know. Um, but we're going to get to that in a sec. Um, okay. For me, intro, I thought it was amazing. Magnificent Strings blew me away. Um, Californian Soul, I, I mean, it, it sounded like a massive nod to Teardrop by Massive Attack, the guitar oh, yeah, yeah. and the beat, and then they've just like shifted it, um, which again, it's like, you, if that's where you're going to get your influences from, then I'm not going to shit on that great band. Um, Lose Your Head, I, I said it was just a vintage London grammar sound, um, and also kind of touch on Florence and the Machine a little bit. Yeah. Well, and vocally. They're vocally. And then Lord, It's a Feeling, this to me... Um, what track number was that? That was um, track four. Track four. That's almost like that's when the album started for me. It kind of, yeah, it just sort of started to feel like, okay, this is where we're going. And then like it sort of just picked up some momentum. And how does it feel to me was the strongest song on the, on the record. Yep. And had that big rave synth vibe. And um, I loved the song America. I, um, I thought that was them kind of almost like nodding to where they might go in the future which is not this kind of four to the floor kick drum club meets amazing vocal meets indie vibe it was like one jangly guitar which with a guitar tone that sounds nothing like the guitar tone that they usually sound like it was like a really roomy sort of almost i don't know hollow body guitar sound with just hannah singing and then the other thing that came to mind is like she's got such a I love her voice so much and I feel she's influenced so many young singers coming up Yeah, um, that like you kind of wonder, wow, that would be a massive challenge to try and like what do you do when you're a singer and then suddenly you're so great that everyone wants to sound like you? Do you like double down and just go, no, 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 this is how you do me or do you go completely out of the box and go, no, no, I'm already over here. So just questions for me. I think the other thing is too as a band – they're a three-piece, essentially. And so, you know, they're, they're, they're quite small, I guess, in, in terms of writing. And, you know, um, when, you, when, you've, when you've only got three people for whatever, 10 years, I guess there probably is maybe a... 
thing where you can get a bit stale when you don't have a larger group of people to mm. help contribute to the writing. Maybe. I don't Maybe. know. Maybe. But you could also just ring in some That's true. Some extra hands yeah. to have some input. Well, they didn't do that on this one, apparently. They, um, and that's where Danny says, so I'm free from August <laughs> <laughs> after the Genesis tour. <laughs> no, what they said was uh, that um, look, this, on this album, they finally worked out how to write and work together because they'd been off the road um, with COVID. Um, so this was the first time they... But it didn't sound much different to me to the other ones. So it was sort of... It was, yeah, anyway, whatever. Sorry, Danny. What, well, yeah, what, 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 well, I mean, I'm I'm new to London grammar. I'm new to most of this music you guys have presented me, which has been great. But I couldn't get through this album okay, what, in one sitting. What was what was the thing that you found frustrating? Or? Lackluster. Lackluster. And it was very... Uh, it's just safe and, and too polished. And, uh, you know, I, I listened to oh, maybe about six tracks driving into the city and then I just I had to dial in some Stevie and went inner visions <laughs> before I went to my rehearsal <laughs> and then and then I came back to the car after rehearsal and I was like okay time to pick it back up and I I was looking through the the listings of tracks and I remembered how does it feel because like you for me that was the strongest song mm, it's like mm. cool oh yeah totally I know that one so I jumped back in there Loved it. It was great. Like definitely, you know, kind of that feeling of... How yeah, does it we're, feel we're, was the Max Martin one with the I can't feel my face when I'm with you, the weekend um, I don't know that track. reference. I'll, I'll play it for you. It's a really okay. famous song. And then you would just go, oh, that's, that's that's that song. So I wonder if Max Martin... I mean, are you on your computer Steve now? Steve Mack is the guy that produced it. Right. I mean, I get visions of, of, of like a, a band playing... Once again, at a festival that we can't hear any sound side of stage and feeling like I shouldn't be there. Yeah. So here's, a, yeah, yeah, here's, a, here's yeah. an interesting one, Danny, just on that like like ring in, the, ring in the, the people. Two additional co-writers on that track as opposed to the standard three band members. Yeah. It which is like an interesting it. one. Yeah. Bang. That's, um, yeah, awesome pickup. Um Question to you, Danny. I mean, you know, you've obviously played you know a multitude of different kind of bands with different genres. The concept of like a pop, polished pop thing that recycles itself from one record to another. Like, what are your feelings on say? Like, do do you feel it's incumbent on like a pop artist to reinvent on every record, or do you think it's like fair for them to just go, "This is what I do," and you know, I like this music, so why would I change? I think they've got to go. Both ways, mm. I, yeah. You know, if if someone wants to evolve and try things, and they have the freedom to do that, that's great. But then I, then I feel like maybe some pop artists they might try that as well, but get too much external pressure to still churn out the thing that they're doing. Yeah, I agree. I I, I was questioning that as this album went on. What sort of external pressures were put on for them to put out another hit record, like the last record? Yeah. But, yeah. Sorry. I and uh, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. Mm. I just don't know. Well, it's a you know, major label release, um, so I dare say a lot of pressure. What's well, it's You know, they're, 2021. They're, they're double platinum selling on both their last two releases, so you, you'd expect that there'd be a lot of budgets and, 
you know, sales numbers put around albums like this to meet certain targets. Uh, yeah, then Whatever. it makes me. Whatever. But then it makes me think, geez, if they're if they're that successful and there's obviously revenue coming in, they can do whatever they want. Mm, Surely, mm, 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 mm. maybe they don't want to do anything else. Maybe they want to stick to their guns, or maybe they're actually getting the orders from above. To maybe they're completely happy doing what they're doing. Everything's fine. This is maybe we're we're looking way too deep no, into but, it. No, but no, but I knows? think no, but it makes it makes me think about that stuff though. Like me too. Yeah. Mm, mm, mm. Well, why don't we go around the board? Yeah. Um, I might start yeah. with a score. I just have a feeling we'll start strong. <laughs> <laughs> um, so look, so to me, I just, I think London Grammar is so great. I, um, I, again, I might be kind of like thinking of like in the shadow of their past work when I think about this record, but Wasting My Young Years is honestly to this day a song that if I'm, warming up for a session with a singer-songwriter, I just put that song on because it for me, it just it just hits this perfect spot of this would be good on a piano and this would also be good as a massive techno banger. Mm. And I, I feel as though London Grammar, like it, it, just to get to How Does It Feel, which we've said is, you know, the standout. And Lord, I mean, for me, Lord, it's a feeling. How does it feel? You know, I just hear it like it's like club music can be remixed up you know, otherwise, her vo- her voice is got no signs of, you know, getting any worse. She's just got such a distinct sound. I think just by virtue of just those elements, I, th- I give it a higher score. And I thought America, again, showed me that where they could go. And I look forward to the next release. So, for me, I'm going to give it a 75 limes to be cut wow. in a sound check. That's a lot. Okay, I'm going to go next. Like, I just, I'm thinking back to how many limes they would have cut at the Prince of Wales in 2013. I reckon there would have been a lot of limes cut. Lot Actually, limes. probably no limes, just a lot of beer with no limes in it. Um, I In my head, I'm thinking 50 limes, but that seems like a lot of limes. Oh, wow. Um, so you're going, you're, you're giving this a fail. You're failing this album. Yeah, I just think this is really lackluster and okay. quite soulless and... I'm going to say 42 limes. 42 limes. I'll round that down to 40. All right, down to 40. Yeah, because you're going to have wastage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not seeing and, and There's look, no verses from It's going to be divisible by eight yeah, yeah, per yeah. limes. And I just want to point out there'll be no verses from any Fresh Prince songs or any DJ Jersey yeah. Jess songs okay, getting just, sung with this album Danny what did you think I'll go 40 yeah 40 limes alright so we've got 40, 40 and 75 I'm like I think I I think I've overscored this but I'm going to stick to my guns that's okay I mean this could be an album that you would go to sleep to it's got some neoclassicism sort of events it's just a B plus for me you know what I mean yeah okay Um, so that was Californian Soil by London Grammar
So the third album we're going to check out tonight is the new one from Pino Palladino and Blake Mills, titled Notes Without Attachments. Uh, Giuseppe Henry Pino Palladino, born in 1957, is a Welsh musician, born to a Welsh mum and an Italian father. He's a songwriter and a record producer, but known to us mere mortals as a prolific session bass player. Well, to me, you know, as a as a bassist, you know, this guy is pretty much as good as it gets. He has played for acts such as uh, The Who, the John Mayer Trio, Nine Inch Nails, Gary Newman, Jeff Beck, and of course, D'Angelo on the seminal Voodoo album. So, like, do yourself a favor. Just go out, go out, and uh, Google the guy. He's a monster of the scene. He, I, I like. I actually heard Questlove saying recently that he's the closest to um, James Jameson's style of Motown bass playing that he's heard, and he would know, you know, having worked on the D'Angelo video album together with him. Um, Blake Mills, Eric. Blake's what? Blake's a producer, guitarist. Um, uh, yeah, started as a guitar player first, and um, I mean. I don't know heaps of his work, but I was completely obsessed with uh, his appearance on a show called Guitar Moves, um, which is like this incredibly nerdy, um, <laughs> like like guitar, guitar moves, show, guitar show. And the guy is like just an incredibly serious dude about his guitar playing right. and, and incredibly melodic and, you know... That name started to show up a lot. Um, Production think, circles for sure. But, but also just like as a songwriter, sing, like just a songwriter and guitar player. I remember going to Canada in like 2011 and everyone was like flipping over this guy, Blake Mills. Yep. Um, but of course, you know, credited with being the producer of potentially, well, I guess me and Danny kind of agreed just in the short break that, you know, he produced the Alabama Shakes record, which is one of the best yeah. sounding records that... Uh, has been made in the modern era so a serious weapon all right so look let's go straight into this so for me straight up i want to talk about the production and the mixing of this album it's freaking incredible like the moment it starts you get that inkling that something special is happening and then it just adds layer upon layer um to me like it sounds like some sort of long lost south american exotica orchestrated recording from the 60s mm. but at the same time completely modern like the miking yeah. the air the space like it's incredible and like when you dig down into it like you know that you know you know we've all done a lot of recordings you have to play so quietly to be able to like mix this up to make it sound like it's been like like it sounds um so production wise like massive tick um, the band is Chris Dave on drums, Pino, Black Mills, Sam Gandal, Larry Goldings, Rob Moose. Um, Larry, was Larry Goldings in Maceo Parker's band? Yeah. I believe... Oh, there's I that. just remember the One Maceo them... Parker live recording and I've heard the name Larry Golding. On that recording, I think people talk about the bass player right. and it's Larry Goldings. Wow. Playing Hammond. Wow. Okay, so he's playing Hammond on yeah. this album. Yeah, yeah, Okay, right cool. All but right. he also plays piano with James Taylor and, like, yeah, he's very heavy. Okay. It, yeah, it's a heavy-duty cast of musicians on this album. So the songs themselves, like, like this album is so interesting on a composition front. Like, for me, it was just ticking so many boxes. And at the same time, 
Like, I just kept wondering how this album was put together. Like, do we reckon it was yes. like, was it orchestrated? Like, is it written out? Have they just got into a room and like, it must have been orchestrated because there's so much going on. There are things that happen percussively just every now and then. This. It's just yeah. like one little hit of a tambourine or, or a triangle and you're like, okay, cool. That's going to come back in, in two bars or four bars time. And it doesn't. Yeah. It's like, so then I, I think, did someone notate this out or are they really improvising or was it pieced together a bit later? I don't know. Well, it's all recorded live, I believe, because like if you watch it, oh no, actually there, most of the bed tracks look like they were done. Did you get on YouTube? And look I at have this? no. Okay. So it looks like most of the bed tracks have been recorded live um, and there is some overdubs percussion wise, which okay. would have to be. Obviously, because there's so much going on. And there's also like these massive sonic changes in, in the tracks as well, right? Like, almost like you go from one sound space to a completely different. Yeah, sound space. there could be like a, a, even like on the drums, like some brushes, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden this groove drops in, and that's right, does sound yeah. sonically different. Mm. Yeah. Um, look, so the first track that we were that was playing underneath before, just wrong. Like it's gorgeous. Like it just kicked it all off. Just a total oral experience. Um, track two was like really like this deliciously wonky sort of vibe. Um, track three starts with this broken down Afrobeat vibe and then opens into something like more traditionally Afrobeat, but like in a, at a really slowed down pace. Mm. And then these distorted, distorted horns would just, they would like, they were used rhythmically, like almost as a percussive element. Um, <clears throat> that was super. Like, was that the track where um they were using the sax, um the tapping the notes to get actually a rhythm? I'll show you the um YouTube clip um in our break, Danny, because yes, actually mind blowing what they're doing. Um, and on that track, then it just broke down in the middle of the song, and then they just dropped this bass clarinet in. Is a bass clarinet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Unreal. then we just dropped... And this is Notes with Attachments? This was track to, three. What is that called? Right. The Afrobeat trunk. Akute. Akute. Um, and, the, and the longer the track went on, the pocket just got heavier and heavier. They just kept... Get, they just got to this such a deep groove. It was amazing. Um, track four, was that Jer- uh, Jerkle? Um, Jer- oh, yeah, yeah, Jerkle. That had track, like this very... Track five, that had like that very um, Sudanese, Ethiopian fusion sort of vibe going on. And then the beat, you know, that hi- oh, was a hip-hop beat that dropped in halfway through on that. That was like, oh, oh, that was amazing. And Chris Dave, like why wouldn't you name a track after him? I mean, it's bonkers, that track. It was just insane. Um, what else am I saying? Um, look, I just, the percussion and the rhythm on the whole album was just, epic um oh yeah the percussion the sax and the breathing being used as a percussive element that was on track um man from malaise i think i've written um and what else was happening i mean it drops in greek style bazooki guitar section um it's madness this album like i actually think um complete madness i think um look the consideration the care that these players have for each other in a musical sense is like is quite profound i thought like there was as much as it was mad, they weren't getting in each other's way, I didn't think. They were giving each other space. Um, there was so much care taken from an EQ perspective as well, I thought. Just, you know, the instrument choices that they were using. 
were really interesting and you know that helped not get in each other's way as well um look for a casual music fan um programmed into standardized western music composition this would be a challenge i think this album but for people who are a fan of you know innovation and pushing boundaries this album was just was beautiful it was a thing of beauty so um you know i will hand it over but you know for, for anyone who likes this type of music get onto youtube watch it being played and recorded it's special yeah i want to check out this youtube footage i will i will show you but it's also nice to hear something first without getting any of the secrets agreed you know like and seeing where your mind takes you this album i had heard before Mm -hmm. you guys suggested this obviously a bit of a fan of chris dave on drums you know I, I mean, I you know, that stuff comes up on my feed. Yeah. <laughs> Check this out. So, yeah, rhythmic, like, delight. And just orchestration of ensemble through the whole thing. So, having heard it once, I was very happy to, to go again. I went a couple of times on this and I'll go a couple of times more. Yeah. It's... See, it just makes me wonder. It's like, has someone notated this? It sounds like it. It, it, it sounds like an orchestration. Like yeah. someone's, you know, we're going to have this section here, and no one's getting in the way, and it and it just blend like uh, not blends. It goes across the instruments effortlessly, <laughs> and there's space for everything. It's just beautiful to listen to. I tried listening once with the kids in the car, and. <laughs> That was a fail. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? You what know, was their take on it? Uh, they wanted to. Well, look, they wanted to listen to music from the the Nintendo Switch game Zelda, <laughs> which isn't too bad either. But um, I used to play Flying Lotus to my kids. If you know Flying oh, Lotus, they yeah, said, yeah. "Dad, Dad, can you put the music on with the ants at the top?" <laughs> like just glitch noise. It's just not kid friendly. Yeah, well, there were the, so the kids review they would be like, yeah, just a couple of lines, couple of lines max. <laughs> um, so here's a question, but, Danny. Yeah, big for me. Um, feelings like, could you like? There's two, two actually two questions. Number one, um, from like album from start to finish, did you feel like it was we were going in like towards a destination? And two, like, and I'm also asking because I had the, I had some. You know, this, I'm also leading to where I'm going because I had some real feelings about this. I record. feel what you're feeling. Um, well, did you? Was there any feeling that came to mind when you listened to this record? Was you know, I think I want to give this headphone listens. At the moment, still for me, it's just my mind's going. What's going on? How did they do this? I, I can't get beyond that at yep. the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is kind of nice because yeah. then I want to listen to it more, uh, you know, and and I enjoy it. I, I do enjoy the mood of sinking into something. And like you said, it's that that light airiness that that invites me in to listen to. And, and it does sound sonically amazing that they can bring that up and it's like, wow, it's also packs a punch in this beautiful way, you yeah. know. Yeah. It's hard to achieve that that to to do that yeah you need to be firstly incredible musicians but also go in with a plan that you want to do that in the first place because that's yeah you have 
that was part of what that album was by playing that quietly to be able to bring that up to that level to bring in all that sort of air and all that sort of sound mm, around yeah, it. That was that was super intentional. And and I feel like that takes real conviction and experience to do that. If everyone always sort of wants to go for the immediate oh, let's get it vibey. Let's and, vibe it, yeah, you fuck know, that. Yeah. And, it's, and even when you go to listen back to something in the control room, everything gets turned up always and it's just like volume equals excitement. So for someone to, you know, keep that in check, wow, like, yeah. Not many people do that. Like, one of my favourite albums was this guy called Chris Whiteley and he was around in the early 2000s. He recorded this album in Germany and the drums would just sound so massive and I remember um, talking to someone who'd been on the session because we toured Australia, and they just said, "Yeah, we just we just tapped the drums, and then we just gained it up, yeah, and we brought in all this atmosphere and vibe." And it's it's always stuck in my head about recording and and especially from a percussive element and drumming quietly to be able to yeah to be able to bring it because dynamics aren't just. You know, you can talk more to this, well, but dynamics aren't made by just hitting the drums really loudly. No, and when I've recorded drums quietly, it's it's quite difficult. The difficult thing about it is the change in volume when you play something really quietly, and it's such a physical instrument. You know, you, you you're hitting with a stick, so there's this velocity, and when you when you travel from one drum to the other, you can't help but speed up velocity and therefore it'll produce a louder tone um at a quiet level any variation is yeah picked up mu- picked yeah. up yep. much greater than when you're at a loud volume and you go a bit more yeah you can't really tell the difference yeah. you know like so to have that control at a low volume is is mastery you know Hmm. Which I think Chris Dave is definitely there. Yeah, you you probably say Chris Dave is in the master category. I think so. Yeah. I mean, percussively too. I, I got moments of pet sounds like on this. Yeah. You know, just little tambourines and shakers here and there, and verbed out there. It's it. It was very three dimensional. Listening. That's a, that's that's a, a really, really good. Time. Yeah, that's yeah. a really really good um, analogy. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Okay, well, should we throw it across to Eric? Eric. All right. Well, um, look, I think you guys have covered off on it in so much as... Um, Apart from the bits I didn't like. Yeah, no, I mean, like, you know, I, my my feeling was is that, like, you've been hanging for this record. Like, as in, like, when Peanut Palette, like, Not when it shows all. up, no? No, zero hang on this. Like, um, my friend Gilly was playing to me in the car when we came back from Suvlaki's. One night, I could check out this Pino album. I've never really listened to a Pino Soul album. I don't even know if he's done Soul albums. I have no idea. Um, and he just played it in the car. I'm like, this sounds incredible. Yeah, I, right. I can't wait to listen to this. Okay, maybe a bit presumptuous on my behalf. My next question was, since the the you're listening to that record, is that the reason why that double bass is in the corner? <laughs> <laughs> it's, no, that's not true. Okay, but, uh, you, you wouldn't know this is a bass play record. No, me. no, not at all. Not not at all. No, no, I no. agree with that. It's fully orchestrated. Absolutely. So, look for me, um, Akute. Okay, I listened to the intro. I was like, oof. You know, uh, I tend to like, you know, um, press a, you know, my like button on Spotify pretty quick. Okay. If I'm like, okay, all right, yep, this is the vibe, and I just like press the like button because that that the very beginning of that intro song, what was it called? Just uh, wrong. Just wrong. Yep. Like I really loved. Yep. And then it kind of like I got lost, and I was like, well, it's not 
mm, whatever. I was like a bit just like that's cool, but like I, I got I got lost, and then and then and then I kind of was sort of swimming in you know foreign waters for the next couple of tracks, and then Akute came on, and I was like, this is amazing. It just felt completely wild. Um, the rhythm was incredible, and just like the Blake Mills guitar playing was just superb and yeah. um you know the thing that i kept on noticing having seen like how far blake mills can go with his playing like he just kept it back like the whole record um never really like at no point did he unleash like he's a shredder um and yeah. he's incredibly um flexible and he just let it let it just he just did the thing you know he sat in his part and i think that, i think all the musicians yeah, have done that which obviously. is again like you know, pretty remarkable given they'd probably have, there'd probably be such an excited energy in the room with those three people together. Um, and then Jerkle, uh, I loved, I loved, you know, I thought it was really tough sounding. Um, you know, it's kind of cool. It's kind of cool. I didn't know anything about Pina Palladino. Um, I didn't know that Chris Dave was the drummer on this until I looked at the credits whilst you guys were talking. And, you know, that whole D'Angelo sound has been so kind of just reproduced in so many formats with players all around the world. And then when you hear it actually go down on this, that kind of Dilla, D'Angelo shuffle, you're like, oh, wow, this is this is the real deal. These are, th- these are the guys, you know, and I really dug that. But the thing that I found as I, I, I was listening to this driving in a mad panic <laughs> to your house yeah. to do this taping. Wrong. Um, I've just felt incredibly unsettled listening to this record. Like, it definitely made me a bit anxious. It didn't, like, I didn't feel chill. Mm. I felt pretty nervy. And and that, that was kind of the takeaway for me. But at the same time, um, like, I don't I don't say that's a bad thing. Like, I'm definitely going to be listening to this more and more. Like, mm. I think this is a really, really awesome record. But that was the feeling that I got. As I said, I think it's a bit of a challenge this album like it's not something you can put on and just let it flow over you it's like it i think it demands fairly serious listening um yeah. albums like this um maybe it doesn't i don't know like i mean yeah it's it's just it's just not an album that you'd let flow over you i think it's not i don't know would you put it on on a sunday afternoon and let it flow i mean obviously if the kids are not around but yeah i you know i would because for me, the more I listen to it, the more it starts to flow yeah, as well. I, I, you know, I, f- I feel like there's melodic things that happen, which at first, and being not necessarily a <coughs> foremost melodic guy, musician myself, you yeah. know, like, but it's like I start to connect the dots the more I listen to it. Oh, that, that that's, okay, cool. I You know, that's happening again. It's changing this way and we're orchestrating a little bit different. It it does grow on me, and I I I I get more connected with it where I'm not feeling, you know, maybe there's there, if that sense of anxiousness about it would would disappear as you kind of unsolve the mystery a little. Yeah, okay, yeah, good point. Yeah. And I, I think um sonically wise, it rather than being unsettled, I feel felt like it's a warm blanket around me. Like mm. sonically, it's it's so. Beautiful, and I'm not sure whether a car stereo no, I think in the Ford I, Focus or whatever it is. Ford Fiesta, thank Ford you very Fiesta much. But might no, no, not be up for it. I don't think it's the Sonics. I think it's the actual like what's going on with yeah, the okay. players. Composition. I don't think I don't. I didn't, it didn't sound jarring. It sounded beautiful the whole time. But there was just 
some kind of really whack craziness. Like we've said the word crazy a couple of times mm. um, in the record, which again, it's not a bad thing. I think I think for me, that is why I'm going to go back to it. Is like I what I look for in an album is a feeling, and um, you know, as opposed to just like individual songs with feelings. And this this to me had an overall feeling, uh, you know, because of that, you know, I think I think it's a great record. All right, let's take it to the rating scale to the to the club rooms. All right, what are we thinking? I'm thinking, I'm thinking seventy five, seventy five limes. It's just it's a solid effort. Like I'm thinking, what I'm thinking back to is when I squeezed limes at, at Rio's Churrascaria um, in the nineteen ninety eight before Brazil were taking on France in the World Cup final. And France a lot, a lot of limes. Would have so been I cut. squeezed a lot of limes, but Brazil ended up losing. So there was a lot of limes left over. So, um, 75 limes, 25 yeah. left over. I'm okay. going to go high 70s. I'll go 78 on this. Yikes. You do like a, you do like a, you know, a good little, you know, you think it was 42 <laughs> somewhere else. Is 78 a multiple of four? No, I was going to go 80 and no, go 80 the 80, like so 10 limes. Maybe I'll go 80. Let's go 10 limes oh, in. All right. Yeah, uh, you yeah, know. The multiple of four just. Because I, I, I feel like I'm going to. I'm going to go more listens on this one, and I look forward to it. Okay, yeah, me too. I'm um, <clears throat> I'm gonna I'm gonna go. Oh, oh. No, I mean I th- I think it's it's a, it's a, it's incredible. Have we talked you into it, Eric? No, you haven't talked me into it. I'm just okay. kind of thinking. I gave London Grammar seventy five, so <laughs> you know what I mean. This is definitely a stronger record than but London Grammar for me. Yeah. Seventy six limes. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. That one wedge. That one wedge. <laughs> just got in there. <laughs> one segment. <laughs> 76 limes for me. Okay, 76 or 75. Oh, you've given it more than I did. <laughs> That's insane. Okay, a 76. Okay, I'm going to give it a 77. All right. A 76 or 77 and an 80. That's a strong album for uh, Notes Without Attachment, Pino Palladino and Blake Mills. fourth album for the week is by Lana Del Rey and the album is called Chemtrails Over the Country Club. Great name. Very good name. Yeah. Um, maybe let's start going to the, <laughs> let's, maybe let's go to the scoring system. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Elizabeth Woolridge Grant born June 21, 1985 known professionally as Lana Del Rey is an American singer-songwriter and record producer. Her music is noted for its stylized cinematic quality an exploration of themes of sadness, tragic romance, glamour, and melancholia, containing many references to pop culture, particularly 1950s, 1960s Americana. Um, just further into how people have described Lana Del Rey's music. Yeah, whatever was it? Um, oh, I've lost it. Hold on. 
You had good flow there. Though. I did have. Oh yeah, sorry. Sad core. Mm. Uh, sad core. Sad yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it a genre? She's been described as Hollywood sad core. Oh, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sad core. Um, look, I don't think we need to go deep into like Lana Del Rey's kind of. Do you know much about Lana, Lana well, Del Rey? Well, I just know that she's just a mega pop star, um, and she's I feel has occupied the kind of bad girl spot in where like Ariana Grande, Miley Cyrus. Really. Okay. All kind of have this sort of like, you know, really, you know, upfront kind of MTV pop star vibe. Taylor Swift, etc. Lana Del Rey is like the cool indie, mega, okay. mega, mega, mega pop right. star. It's a great name, Lana it's Del Rey. It's a great. I mean, everything about the whole. You had a name like that. The, yeah, yeah, I'd it, be down with that. The whole project is captured in the name. It's captured in the name of the record. Yeah. It's just, and that to me is part of how I'm going to lead into this review, um, which is just like... Okay, why don't you start by saying all music is good. All music is good. Um, I could not get through this record. And I mean, she's had some really, really great like singles in the past. Um, this to me just... The, Lana Del Rey has been like occupying this kind of California West Coast imagery for her entire career. And... It just doesn't f- seem to be evolving. Um, it just feels like we're, we're just consistently getting the same kind of sad core <laughs> music. And um, I just can't get down with this. The, the, the thing, the, the moments in the record that I actually thought were good was when it went into like more country yes. saloon kind of vibe. But the, these kind of hyper-produced tracks to me are just so self-aware that I cannot believe it anymore and you know I mean it you know if you it's like a golden rule I guess in like pop music is if you say California enough times you'll sell enough records because she says California like a million times I think Hannah Reid said California a bunch of times just FYI maybe put it in your notes for your next records that, um, <laughs> just if you just say California a bunch yeah, you know, drums in California. Yeah, drums in California. Album. That is awesome. Honest to God, man. Like honestly, I if you called your next record "Drums in California," it will go straight to the top of like a Pitchfork review list. You're totally right. Like, that is a, such a good name. Yeah. yeah, you can take full credit for that because like this is recorded no, no. now. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I might actually overdub myself I saying that. It. So I, then he says, "Yeah, I split it all, guys." <laughs> okay, no, but for real, like honestly, Danny, if you if you made a record saying called "Drums." in California <laughs> honestly that would be an incredibly intriguing departure point like wow what's he gonna do yeah. as opposed to drums in Melbourne like yeah, you, know you could Drum, say drums you, in Western Australia. There's a so there's such a California. backstory to drums in California. We recorded in the desert. Yep, and like you can just so much imagery. Yes, isn't it? that's mm. right. That's right. So look to me, um, not much to say here except like. Half decent songwriting, but kind of not. And like, if I, I feel as though you could find a, a great singer songwriter in any city in the world, chuck them through the Lana Del Rey mm. Californian reverb setting, mm. and get a much better better record. I think there's a machine here, and she's just occupying a space in a machine, and I don't buy it. And not not for me. All music is good, <laughs> Danny. Well, I. I really got into it. <laughs> and and I was not expecting to. Okay. As well, I actually thought, oh, 
I, and once again, I'd not heard of this record. I have heard of Lana Del Rey. Why have you heard of her? Have you heard of her stuff or just the name? I've heard of the, the, the single. Yeah, yeah. The big one that was... I don't know. Uh, uh, years ago. Yeah. What's it called? I'll find it. But you keep it going. Chains? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> not Chains. No, no. Uh, Born to Die could have been... It could have been um, Young and Beautiful. Good, Great song. Will you still love me? Okay, so what did you like about well, what, what was the things that stood out to so you? So, yeah, totally there's that that Californian imagery that's mm. was straight away, even from the album cover and the title of the album, there was something going on. Yeah. Was, yeah. Which I guess is not which, like not to be criticised, right? Like that, no, that is artistry in its own right. And maybe that's maybe that's her thing and mm. she's she digs it. So even though she's from upstate New York, but let's continue. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> um, so the first track lyrically, yes, there was a little, there was a moment in there about it, something about the music conference. So it was like, whoa. Uh, which one? Like, the one down south, S by S, south by southwest. She refer she references this in the lyrics. And right, it's like okay. a it's a long phrase to okay. just kind of spit out, which. Something okay, happened. That's, that's a bit weird. But mm. but then those things kind of grow on me. And then there's a band. Mm. And there was like organic instruments. Yep. And I dug that. Like, yeah, it was not, it, it didn't sound like it was, maybe it was, you know, for all I know, she was playing drums on it. Maybe. Or maybe, and, and they recorded it in isolation and looped up things. I don't know, but it did have to me, it grew organically and several songs did that, which I, I really started to enjoy. And then there were, there's even this, the end of, um, Oh, I don't know the track name. One of the, maybe the second or third track. That's just drums for about 30 seconds. Yeah. Sorry. And I, sorry to keep, Banging on about drums. What? No, that's what we're here for. We 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 found out we didn't have any sort of percussive or drum elements in our podcast, and we thought, who can we call? Who can we get? Who so, we, I mean, th- who lives off North Road that can come out to our <laughs> yes. house? Yeah. I mean, they end the song. Apparently, there's three drummers out there. Yeah. Well, Nick Karasavides <laughs> isn't far away, actually. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> we digress. Yeah. Um. You know, ending a song like 30 seconds of just drums, like, cool. I, you know, I just felt like this actually isn't. The norm pop mold of what I was expecting it to be. I actually felt that it was a bit more adventurous. I'm just going to chuck go uh, chuck one comment in because I did sort of give it a pretty big panning. But let me love you like a woman. I thought was a real standout song. I'm not sure if you anyone heard that one, but what number track uh, was that? Track number four. Okay. Um, and just a bit of a side note: Jack Antonoff produced the record, who I think also did the Taylor Swift album. Um, clearly he's like the guy right now in California. Oh, <laughs> Slash did, upstate New York. Did he yeah. do the last the Taylor album? One? He, he did, no, he did this record, 2021, and he did Taylor Swift's most recent album that just the cover won one. Al- album of the year. Folklore. Yep. The one he hated. Yep. Yep. Um, but, you know, he's a real, I think he's a, he's obviously the guy, he's, he's the hit maker right now. Um, I know, I will just verify that because I might have completely fucked that up. Um, I'm just gonna double check it. Was it twenty? Was it twenty twenty one? Evermore is what she's. Is that the right? no, folklore. Folklore. Fearless. Nope. Hmm. Anyways, here we go. Folklore. Here it is. I got it. Um, anyways, was over to you, man. 
Are, are you have you, are you done, Danny? I'm pretty good. Okay. I'm pretty good. Let's see where it goes. Well, I mean, when we get our guests in, like, and then they say something different to what, like, we think, it sort of always sort of puts that question in your mind, like, what, like, have I got this wrong? But I don't know. I'm just going to go with it. Um, like, I really think I need to start counting how many times I say or I go with the intro. Like, I've always known who this artist was, but I've never really listened to them. And I just have to say that with Lana Del Rey. Um, Del Rey. Um, I mean, obviously, this is why we started this podcast, Eric, to, you know, one, plug our own project. <laughs> and then two. Talk about us. Yeah, two, talk, talk about ourselves talk, yeah, t- and what we did in the past. Yeah, and a very distant third. <laughs> listen to bands we never got around to listening to. Um, look, I'm, I'm going to have to sort of land on the side of Eric and say Please. that. Like, I basically didn't like three quarters of this album. Um, and I found it formulaic and soulless, and I just wasn't buying it. And I was, it was actually making me frustrated, like this album. Um, as Arik sort of said, you could go to any person, any place in the world and find a singer songwriter and put them through this sort of, you know, whatever production sort of EQ um, manufactured sort of thing and make it sound exactly like this. And that's what it just sounded like that. That would be a great name for like a, 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 you know, a chain. A plug-in. Like a plug-in chain, like the Lana Del Rey. Yeah, totally. Just run it through the Lana Del Rey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, it's good, the Lana Del Rey. It's the Lana Del Rey. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. that sounds amazing. Sorry. Sorry, dude. No, that is amazing. Two genius ideas he's had tonight. California yeah, Danny's drums. just like drums in California. Next minute, like we're gonna <laughs> yeah. be calling Danny when he's living in Silicon Valley. He's just, you know, microdosing. <laughs> give me your name. Give me your name. <laughs> microdosing and just coming up with ideas. You know, Burning Man. Danny was a. Did you guys see that footage of Danny flying in the private jet of Burning Man? He's just fucking the ideas guy. <laughs> uh, Look, yes. for me, like it, it wasn't until the last three songs that. As you said, Eric, like it felt like there was a modicum of soul that was injected into this album when it got a bit sort of country. And look, you could say maybe it came from Yosemite onwards, but breaking up slowly had like a lovely vocal take on yes. it. It felt real. Agreed. Not overly processed, mm-hmm. not overwrought. Um, the same with Dance Till We Die. The vocal take like sold the song for me. But... I think it probably sums up the whole album when my favourite track was the last track. And I thought, oh, this song's so beautiful. It sounds like a Joni Mitchell, Fiona Apple sort of song. And then a lyric hit and I'm like, hang on a second. I think this is a Joni Mitchell song. And then I had to look it up and it was a Joni Mitchell cover. Written by Joni Mitchell. And I'm like, I love this song. I remember this song now. Um, But, you know, maybe they could have worked the track listing a bit differently but it felt really stayed and I didn't get into it and I didn't like it. So that's it for me. I'm just going to kick it off and say like, geez, was it as, like it, it, listening to this album and the London Grammar album weren't a million miles apart for me tonight. They yep. were, they were, they just both felt for me like, and I hate, I hate saying that, especially when people like, you know, really put effort into this and this might they might consider this to be their best work and i get all of that but you know for me as a listener i just 
didn't feel like I connected with either of those two albums. I'm going to give this a little bit less. What do I give that? The 42 or 40? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Round it if down. I might, it. I might give this mm. a 35. 35 limes. I mean, she's not working very hard out the back. She's really... It's been a long sound check. Yeah. And she's, she's, just, th- she's thinking more about her record deal than than actually, you know, the hospo job that maybe she's she, holding down before she goes on tour, you know. Or thinking that maybe I should be doing sound instead of the person who's doing sound at the nightcap tonight. Something that, like that. Maybe that, we should swap jobs. Yep. Totally. I'm, I'm, I'm going to stay with that. With that score was, I think. I mean, again, you know, it's just one of those things that if this was like a first-time artist, no, I don't think. I think it would still be bad. Okay. Yep. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Look, I think for me, <laughs> like, bad. like if if this record came up with this sound and this vibe, like in Melbourne, and it was instead of chemtrails over the country club, it was like <laughs> chemtrails over Croydon. Croydon. <laughs> um, then I'd be like, fuck, this is cool. You know, like this is a vibe. But I've just like I've heard this. I've heard Lana Del Rey do this for three albums, and I think Kim Trials over Coburg's probably a bit better, yeah, a bit that's more hipster. True. It is a bit way more hipster, closer actually. to the airport. Yeah, yeah. Um, more realistic. Kim <laughs> Trials over Coolaroo, bit more bogan. Um, but um, what about Kim Trials over Carlton? There's so uh, many. Yeah, there is. Kim Trials over Cheltenham. I don't know. Yeah. There's just so many. There's a lot. There's I a didn't lot. even realise there were so many suburbs we're starting to see. Yeah, or see. Kim Trials over Chelsea. Oh. Yeah, so Kim over Cockatoo. Let's leave it. Like that. Yeah. All right. Let's stay there. Um, so look, I think I just yeah three albums in, and it's the same shit. And if and I think you know she's positioned herself in the market as like the artist pop star, and I just don't feel like you know they're just gonna wheel out the Super 8 camera, <laughs> and it's all just gonna be shot in California yep. outside a diner with a convertible. She wear sunglasses. Yeah. You know. You nailed it. There it is. So look. You know, look, sounds good. Jack Antonoff, smart guy. Lana Del Rey, also incredibly smart woman because she knows what sells, but not not for me. I'm going to properly go all the way down the scale and go, no effort, 20, 20 limes. 20, 20 limes. Yeah. I'm banging and up in the 70 limes. All right. I'm, I'm going back for more listens so on give this. It, give us like, you know, yeah. we're so far apart. Yeah. I just want to yeah. know what, there's got to be something that's like, going you know you're into it so let's hear it i don't know for how long okay and this could be this could be like two more listens yeah and then i might not touch it again like i know like pino's record that's going to evolve and get better for me i don't know if this is going to do that yeah this might be as good as it gets it could be as good as it gets but But definitely curious to know more you you've got a curiosity uh, yeah i'm just was it the production the songwriting I think it's the production a bit. I think it's the long form of songs. It, yeah. It, and things growing, it feels like to me, it just grows. Things grow over a longer period of time, which I enjoy that. And I don't hear that very often. And especially in a pop artist, yeah. you know, like to take that, I to take that risk, I think, I think it's a risk for a pop artist. And I don't know her previous albums at all. So this is the first time I've ever listened to an entire Lana Del Rey album. One thing about her vocal I noticed is she has this amazing, I think it's an incredible ability to sort of like sort of slur and almost mumble the word mm. in that singer way where it's very emotive, but I can still sound out the, articula- like the, words, the articulation. The articula- like every yeah. word, like I get it all. Mm. And, it, you know, I'm, 
I'm never sort of left kind of going like, what? Did, what did she say then? Like, I didn't get that lyric. It's, it's, yeah, she does it. Mm. Like, I, does I she do it, or is it just a really good master? No, no, I, I, I don't I'm know. I'm there with Danny. I think she's she's got that down pat, and the, it, it, it's, it's like not that Matthew skill. McConaughey kind of like laziness, <laughs> like right. southern draw. Yeah, I yeah, think. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then I still get. I don't need the subtitles like I do with Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, right. Okay, so that makes me want to drill down to what it is that I don't like about it. Because when you say that, like, it forces you to think, okay, so why don't I like it? Is it because, do I think it's formulaic? I actually think it's her voice I don't like in this album. Yeah. It just doesn't connect. It feels really, uh, I, I don't want to use the word fake, but it just feels put on. And I, uh, that's, I think that's what, I don't connect with and so therefore once you don't connect with something you just it's really hard to, I think to continue uh, on with it I mean I think it's hard I, I I think it's a hard one when you're not connected to try and go well if it was this then I would have connected I think it's really the overall feeling right like because you know my feeling is like yeah, great singer um, you know enunciation good but it just it just didn't do a thing for me it was singer songwriter Singer-songwriter project that I didn't feel anything on except for Let Me Love You Like a Woman, which I thought was and actually the Joni, really great songwriting. And the Joni Mitchell cover. And the Joni Mitchell cover. That was beautiful. So um, so what are we at? We're, we're four, what did you score it was? I think I gave it a 38. You gave it a 38, I gave it a 20. And Danny went I'll up. go 72. 72. There yeah. it is. Just yeah, I've divisible by eight. Divisible. I'm, gonna, I'm cutting my limes into eight slices. <laughs> All right. Yeah. That's that's what you do when you want to kill time out the back and you don't want to have to go out and clean the toilets. Yeah, you yeah, start yeah. cutting your I'm on lines. It's like, hey, <laughs> hey, hey, it's like, no, we're closed. It's, and it's like, no, I'll just pre-cut them for tomorrow. <laughs> just get a head start on the lines. Look, and look, my 72, it could, yeah, you know. It could be a 90. Um, but it could, yeah, it could a, go down, you know. We could be. It really just depends who's actually sound checking on the night, right? So well, it depends. Like you know, look, I, I, I think I'm free in September. I mean, if if you wanted me to go on tour, you know, smart man. I but I could totally get into that. Like just sitting there for four minutes and then coming in with like some brushes. I I and building it for a couple of minutes and then and then that's it. I need a healthy dose of this Listerfield hustle that's going on here. It's just it's so, deep. It's so good. Well, speaking of the Listerfield hustle, Danny, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you here in uh, in Oakley with us this evening. It's been a little bit like um, talking footy, actually, um, with you and Was on the couch, and uh, you know, maybe we'll call you Bruce and Hutchie or whatever, Danny. Thank you again. We look forward to your third release, Drums in California. Drums in California, (laughs) baby. Drums in California, baby. This has been the All Music is Good podcast. We'll see you next time.